believe this is happening. This We're is back. so exciting. After Jane is here, everybody. Bit of a hiatus. Hello, internets. Did you miss us? <laughs> we we actually checked. It's been 15 months since we last recorded an episode about Firefly. Yeah, we took a little bit of a break. Uh, <laughs> My fault. Both of us moved. We did, and we we moved so close. Enough, <laughs> we both moved from a the same neighborhood yeah. to a new neighborhood where we're again almost neighbors so yeah we lived a 10 minute walk away we lived like a 15 minute walk away and now we live like a 10 minute walk away yeah well it was i think distance wise it was similar but there was a lot more traffic and lights to cross before yeah and i haven't i haven't seen your place yet because we didn't even know that we soon (laughs) we, we didn't know at first that we'd moved to the same neighborhood like we we both moved and then checked in. Yeah. It's like, oh my god, you moved there too. <laughs> yeah. Well, I guess the migration is happening. We're uh, yeah. We're moving farther out. And I keep I've run into uh, I've run into Ryan, who's Jane's husband. I've run into yep. Ryan like twice now. It's a small neighborhood still, yeah. even though there's more space. I feel like we're moving from like the central core planets in the oh, verse nice. out, out to the slowly <laughs> migrating out to the outer rim Just yeah we are we are now kind of on the outer <laughs> rim of, of like central seattle yeah it's still I yeah love it. it's nowhere near like burblandia but yeah you know yeah. what i love about it so much is that like we're i live right across the street from gasworks park mm-hmm. which i think is the most beautiful spot in all of seattle it is gorgeous and when you're walking like down a hill in wallingford at night and you can see out to the park, you and like across, you can see across the water yeah. and see all of downtown. It's just incredible, and it's it one really of the most looks beautiful vistas that uh, yeah. there ever was. Yeah, like having this crazy mound of grass, mm-hmm. and then this amazing like lake, mm-hmm. and then this downtown beyond it. It looks like something out of a sci-fi movie. It does, but I mean, if you have the actual gasworks um, like plant in view too and it's all covered in rust but the plants yes, are taking it back over it's like a dystopia where you're yes, like totally. nature's taking back over where humanity was and, it's incredible uh, yeah. it totally looks like a sci-fi movie and it every is. time i walk my dog i try to take in that view a little bit mm-hmm. just to be like i'm in i'm in space yeah. and also like <laughs> we we live in this very residential neighborhood where you see like a very you know city mm-hmm. atmosphere happening right across the water yeah. Which is also super surreal because I grew up in the suburbs mm-hmm. um, and then I moved to the city and now I'm living in something I wouldn't call it. It's definitely not the suburbs, but it's much more suburban. Right. Um, but you can still it's, it's see the city. It's a more residential, this neighborhood. Than exactly. Before yeah. it was like actual, we were. Yeah. Here's like houses city. and townhomes versus mm-hmm. like businesses and condos and yeah. apartments, you know? Yeah. Um, I mean, there's still plenty of businesses and condos and apartments here but they're like much more spread out than it was downtown so there's like a lot of you know single family houses in this neighborhood when you see none of those downtown so anyway like being inside of that and then looking out across the water and seeing a city Mm -hmm. is like so so surreal and i just don't get sick of it i love it it's almost like a matte painting sometimes that you see from certain movies exactly yes totally off in the distance there's the you know the mythical city yeah that's where all the the futuristic cityscape over there yeah Yeah. totally it's like you know the movie moving there eventually like they show it from far off and then you'll slowly journey your way over there yeah that's what we've got just totally sitting on our horizon my new favorite thing to do on a nice sunny day is go to gasworks park and just mm-hmm. like lie in the grass because yeah. there's this huge hill there mm-hmm. so like lie on the grass hill and just like be able to see this panorama of the water and the city it's just so great i yes. love it 
place. I love living over here. I'm really loving it. I love it too. And speaking of Gasworks Park, I was t- showing you earlier Wizards yes. Unite. It's uh, so cool. Who else is playing? Friend me. Um. <laughs> <laughs> I hadn't heard of it, but it kind of blew my mind. Oh, I'm man. Like, you yeah, can do the this? Pokemon Go of Harry Potter. But <laughs> yeah. So I'm looking forward to after we podcast here, I'm going to walk over there and I'm going to do some spells and get some XP. <laughs> Can you explain it to people who don't know what it is? Because I didn't know what this was until today. Um, well, I never played Pokemon Go, so from what I understand, people who've played both said it's basically just a reskinning. It's very similar. but um, So it's a free game. Uh, you can get the app on your phone. It's called Wizards Unite. Um, it's made by the same people that did Pokemon Go, uh, Niantic Labs, I think, Niantic Studios. Um Oh, it's actually made by the same people. Okay. Yeah, the, I know there's some people here in Seattle. I don't know if all of their studios are here, but we ran into some guys. But uh, so anyway, on your phone, get the app. Uh, you log in, you create a profile, and you are a wizard. And then it tells you the basic plot that some some bad things happened after Harry Potter, Uh-oh. like the movies and the books that story ended. So like Hermione Granger and Harry Potter, they're grown up. They've got jobs. You know, they're doing their things. Uh, Something bad happens to the world and you as a wizard have to help uh, rectify it. Awesome. Before muggles find out. Oh my God, that sounds so good. Yeah, so you... Does Hagrid tell you you're a wizard? He's like, you're a wizard, Jesse. Because if that (laughs) happens, I'm so in. Uh, No, but I have already seen Hagrid. Okay, close Um, enough. (laughs) You do do have some of the main characters talk to you, but then there's also some other like... Characters they make up for the purpose of the game um, from the Ministry of Magic, and they're like, "Here's you're gonna explain what's going on, and here's how to do spells and brew <laughs> potions, and it's really fun. Um, oh it God. will kill your phone battery, though. I have. Oh no! I need to replace my phone at some point. I've already had to charge my phone twice today. Oh my God, that's <laughs> the nightmare. That's the worst. I know. So, so I have a um, power bank in my backpack. Um, so when I go down to Gasworks Park looking for things to find. <laughs> Uh, I won't drain my battery completely. Wow. Andy has that phone if you need to plug it in. Uh, it's okay. I, I charged all the way up before I came over. Okay, nice. With the <laughs> expectation that I would be using it. So. Yeah. Well, <laughs> the reason we've gathered here today and the reason that Jane came over <laughs> today it around. is that we just watched episode five of Firefly. Oh, yes. Safe. Right? Safe? It is. It yeah. is safe. Yeah. So this is most people's least favorite episode I can't believe that. And I, that, I, I I find that staggeringly, astonishingly false. Yeah. This episode is wonderful. I, <laughs> I'm very conflicted about this episode. I Are completely you? understand the sentiment of this is not the best episode ever. But at the same time, it also has some of the most quotables. Uh-huh. It establishes the characters so well. So good. We like, talk about that in a second, but... This really brings to home what home is for some of these characters. Yeah. Uh, and it, it shows the backstory for Simon and River, um, just like other episodes later that we'll see, you know, down the line. Um, don't want to talk about out of gas too much, but yeah. <laughs> you get the backstory of some of the the crew to a degree that you, you didn't really understand before. You know, um, yeah. they had alluded to where they'd come from and and uh, what got them onto the ship in the first place. But this really, I mean, you see it. You you see flashbacks. Yeah, you, you see you the childhood of you the Tams. It. Yeah, but you understand exactly 
why they feel like hi miles oh buddy he wants to be he wants to podcast too He's he's licking himself like he's got a hot spot on his paw. Yeah, and he like made himself yelp from oh, licking buddy. it. What it's a cutie! Okay. Stop licking, buddy. <laughs> um, oh, but there's so this, the cough. Like, this, there it is. This found family that that River and Simon just kind of stumbled into, but really, genuinely becomes the people that they trust the most and they they care about and. Um, they talk about throughout the episode multiple times, where is home for you? Mm-hmm. This is their home. Yeah. They've they've found it. Can I gush about this for just a few minutes? Because yeah. like I haven't watched this episode <laughs> in a while. A mm-hmm. long time. Yeah. And I it all every time I watch this, I've seen the whole show at, at least twice, I think three times before. <gasps> oh my God. Which is not that many. More. We need we need to watch more. I know, I'm working <laughs> on it. We're doing it. Um and not only has it been a long time since I've seen this episode, but it's it's been over a year since you and I sat down to watch an episode. Like I checked the recording date of our yeah. last time and it was 15 months ago, mm-hmm. which really blew my mind. Like I didn't even realize that, yeah. you know, not only did I take six months away from the show, but I had been really slow putting stuff out for a while before that. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I just didn't realize that. So <laughs> that was like kind of surreal for me. But then sitting down and watching it again, I was like, wow, I just love this show. Mm-hmm. I really love this show. Just like, all of the choices all over the place. I just love yep. so much of the humor is so great and like right up my alley. You know, I love absurdist humor. Yes. I really do. Yes. And I love the fact it's like that, Josh you know, Whedon's bread and butter is yeah, absurdism. Humor. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> He's just like set up these bizarre situations where mm-hmm. it makes perfect sense that your spaceship is covered in cow poop. Right. You know? I just love that. Yeah. It's so good. Yep. <laughs> and there was so much of that in the whole episode. And then also, I was like trying to analyze it this time and think about like, what are the themes here? Mm -hmm. And just thinking about humanity, you know, like what is the humanity of this future? And it seems to be a future in which people stop thinking about anyone else when they make any decision. They're only thinking selfishly. Yeah. Like everything that comes up, like any opportunity that comes up, you think selfishly. And it's not just because you're a bad person. It's because like you have to, to survive. Right. It's very much survival driven, especially for these people on Jen Ying, where the show, the episode takes place. They are actually like settlers on the world that's just been barely terraformed for people, but it has nothing. Yeah. Like they don't even have cattle. Which is what brings the crew here in the first place. They're smuggling these cows that we saw at the end of <laughs> Shindig, which yeah. was like the whole secret uh, uh, contraband that which they were setting so up good. the whole this time. Whole in the herd last... of cows. Yeah, it's just like <laughs> the cunningly concealed herd of cows, um, and it's it's great that like this is what drives everything for them they they have Mm. people that have nothing and so you know a cow is going to be worth a whole lot more yeah the whole episode had so many moments that alluded to that Mm -hmm. idea like in the very beginning um when they get into that gunfight and mal is trying to save his money like Mm -hmm. that's what he's really worried about and he's willing to risk his hand he's like reaching out into the gunfire actual bullets flying near the coins yeah Yeah. just to get the money because Mm -hmm. if he doesn't get that money his crew is going to die. Right. Like, that's what he's thinking about. And Uh then Jane is like, did you get the money? And Mal gives him this look like, fuck you, buddy. Like, one of our own's just been shot. We need to tend to that. Yeah. Um, Which lets you, I mean, it really drives home the fact that, like, Mal is not a greedy man. He's Mm -hmm. not doing this for money. He's doing this to to live free and to keep his crew alive and to keep his ship flying. You know, to be able to live his lifestyle, he needs this money. Um, 
And it's, I mean, the alternative is to like succumb to tyranny, which this episode also really illustrates for the first time. You get to see what it's like Mm -hmm. in the core planets when you see Simon's dad, you know, being willing, uh, unwilling to save his own daughter and to support his own son in saving his own daughter if it meant going against society because like that's dangerous and you you can't go down that road. And none of this is really spelled out. It's all just kind of like... It's all subtext. Subtext, yeah. But But it all tracks so well and is so consistent. Sorry, go. No, it's okay. We have so much to say. We're like, I'm so excited. (laughs) Um, But yeah, that scene that you're talking about right there reminds me, like, you watch this over and over and over again. You say you've only seen it a couple times. I'm like, oh my God, I've seen it like 30 times. (laughs) But um, it reminds me of an episode of Black Mirror, um, one of the earlier seasons, maybe season two. Um, I don't know if you've seen all of them where it's got, I haven't yet. I haven't uh, taken that plunge. I'm going to. Bryce it's like Dallas Howard is Oh, I've seen that one. I love that with episode. The, with, with the, the like, app. The app that, where you're rated. Oh my god. Rated. Yeah. That's one of the only ones I've seen. I'm like, this is fucking brilliant. <laughs> it was so yeah. good. But that that scene exactly reminds me of what you're talking about because he's talking about uh-huh. walking through the doors of this jail. Exactly. Where he has yes. to get bail Simon totally. out. It goes on his permanent record that he permanent walked record. into the jail. Yeah, and so you can tell that that society is very concerned about ranking and yeah. like social stature and propriety and totally and he's more concerned about getting you know you know 10 points deducted from slytherin or whatever <laughs> than about his own daughter yeah you know? totally so. yeah because uh, he's talking about how his like son is going to throw his future away and he's mm-hmm. like bargaining his son as a child you know i'll get right. you the best tools if you become a brilliant surgeon right which in the moment seems like it's kindness but it seems like it's really selfishness is driving his parenting decisions and also oh my god can we talk about the first scene because (laughs) you you blew blew my mind mind again with your with firefly knowledge that i didn't have share with the class because it's amazing (laughs) so in the very first scene of this episode safe you open up on a flashback of 11 years uh, previous to the main storyline where you see um baby Simon and baby river. Uh, they're, they're probably like, he's probably 12 or 13 or something. And she's got to be like, I don't know, six or seven, but, um, it opens up on this fresh dewy faced actor that most of the world knows now. And I didn't even know who that person was until a few years ago. Um, but it is his acting debut and young Simon is played by Zach Efron. Zach fucking Efron. Yes. Is young Simon. Yes. Newsflash. <laughs> do, 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 do. <laughs> now you know. <laughs> yeah. That shocked me. Mm-hmm. I can't believe I didn't know that. Yeah. You know, like I knew about, you know, there's like a little Han Solo and Carbonite right. in the bookshelf. You in know. like many scenes throughout the yeah, totally. show. The whole I knew that like you could around. see yeah. the Millennium Falcon mm-hmm. in the sky in the yep. Serenity movie, but yep. I had no idea that fucking Zac Efron was young Simon. Yep. And he's really good. He's, he's like... Really good at that character. Yeah. You learn you learn so much about Simon in this episode. Mm-hmm. Like you learn that he was this, you know, really sheltered child who right. is obviously brilliant. Mm-hmm. Um and then just has a sense of right and wrong that his parents don't have. Yeah. Which is such a great like character point. They set up so much backstory so deftly that you feel like you're just watching an episode, but they give you 
a lot of substance without actually spelling yeah, it out for you. Like, totally. If you're really looking for it, there's this is a yeah. meaty episode. Yeah. Like you just said, he's sheltered. You can tell from one line that his dad says, I'm not going to let you have this source box that lets you have whatever garbage from future internet yeah <laughs> corrupting your brain because i want you to be a perfect child i got your wave uh, yeah. it short-circuited my in my, the middle of my board meeting. my linguals or whatever yeah. he said yeah <laughs> great great right. techno babble i love can, it i yeah, love it the phlebotanum yeah. Of, yeah yeah it's really good uh it's yeah just done so well like every moment of this script is so tight and like mm-hmm. i don't know how long it took to to write this particular episode some of the other ones they tell you like oh it took us a weekend or whatever but um every single line is either driving the characters or giving mm-hmm. us backstory painting in the world paint b- world building yeah um it, it's just it, it is one of the better ep- episodes uh, in certain regards but yeah plot wise not my favorite. So I'm interesting. Very I'm feelings. excited to hear about that. Yeah. For me, I, this was like such a great plot. Mm-hmm. I love it, and yeah. I'm very excited to hear why you don't. And it will not. It will not diminish me being super excited. Yeah. But I, uh, I just love how this plot is not about the crew. Mm-hmm. It's like they drop into a thing that is not about them, and it tangles them up in it a little bit, and right. then they have to like split up to to get untangled from it. Right. Um, but it, they just kind of fall into these problems. Like there's this gunfight because they're selling what? the cattle. To Why these, is it never easy? Yeah, they're selling the cattle to these like hoodlums who mm-hmm. they get into a gunfight with the police, and then they're not even really involved. They're like trying to help the police in that mm-hmm. case. But yeah, you see that Mal helps the guys that uh-huh. he just had to deal with. He well, not them. He helps the, the police these local catch police them catch them because he knows so they're criminals. Right. Yeah. And, and again, he's just looking out for his criminal. crew. He right. doesn't totally. want to get tied up in that. Exactly. So he's like, every man for himself. Every in that man for himself. I can see what's going down here. They're not going to win. Right. That's the proper owners of that beefsteak there. You know, I'm washing my hands clean of this. And he totally instantly turns on the people he just had dealings with. Which is so funny because that feels like the right thing to do. Mm-hmm. But then a second later, the police do that to Malcolm. They mm-hmm. they turn their back on them when Shepard's been shot. Yeah. They like turn their back on the crew and just walk away. And Mal's not surprised by that. Right. Um, but as a viewer, it is surprising that, you know, a police officer on this planet who is human you would just not give a shit about uh, a passerby being shot in right. an altercation, you know? Right. Like, they, they don't even care. It doesn't fade. They just walk away from it. Yeah. They got their man. All they care about is yeah. that there's and, a lot of nuance totally. um, and, and uh, commentary. <laughs> yeah. I feel like, no, I feel like that society was like trying to paint the society. I, all of this, I feel like is trying to paint in the, what the human society has become mm-hmm. without ever having to explain it. And that's just my favorite type of storytelling. You yeah. know, when you can fill, when you can fill all every scene with information, like everywhere you look, you can learn about the world. Mm-hmm. Like when uh, when they're in that shop and talking about the, the <laughs> swan, like I see the same That's swan old... carved on every planet, you know? Yeah. And just like looking around and the shop looks like so dusty and gross mm-hmm. and it looks like an Old West shop. But if you look at the items in the shop, it's nothing you'd ever see in the Old West. It's like old earth stuff. Right. Yeah. Old like, earth that was artifacts. There's like candies on the wall behind Inara, uh-huh. like multicolored candies yeah. or something like that. I couldn't quite tell what it was, but it looked like candy to me. Yeah. And there's such a juxtaposition like there. Good plenties in a little. Yeah, exactly. Bin. <laughs> yeah. So it's like, wow, this has been here long enough to get dusty, and this mm-hmm. is like modern stuff. So, mm-hmm. but this looks so old. 
And like, why does this look like the old West? Mm -hmm. But then if you really think about it, it makes sense because like these people don't have anything. So they're living uh, an older lifestyle. They're starting from scratch on this planet. Just because this technology exists, they're not allowed to use it. Like Mm -hmm. they don't get it because they're not willing to be a part of, you know, this like totalitarian society and they're not invited to be a part of it. You know, they're like, they're looked at as scum and like they're given nothing. The government doesn't provide for them at all. Um, and like the government doesn't care if you're human. It only cares if you're, you know, part of the core alliance. Right. Whether you're under their thumb, not whether exactly. you're actually prospering. Or... Exactly. Whether you're under their thumb. Yeah. Because yeah. it's like an authoritarian regime mm-hmm. that we just don't know that much about. But yeah. it's so cool to be on the fringes of that. You know, it it's very, it's very Star Wars-y. Like Tatooine is yeah. living on the fringes of this like totalitarian government where we don't really get to see right. what it's like to live on For Coruscant during the empire like we've never mm-hmm. seen that we've seen coruscant before the empire mm-hmm. but we've never seen it during we've read a, a read about it a lot right. in, in the books that no longer books that are no longer canon yeah <laughs> and other books that i haven't read uh, anymore but anyway. i've only read a couple of them so yeah um, <laughs> but so two things um you talked about the the swan <laughs> yeah so that scene uh, is actually apparently uh inspired by an old chinese proverb which is if you paint a tiger poorly it looks like a dog and if you paint a swan poorly it looks like a duck <laughs> oh that's cute because she has and anara asks if, yeah, if it's, it's like, a what duck is this, a duck yeah <laughs> it's like oh well not everyone's an artist or should be <laughs> yeah which was great banter but also illustrated the fact that like no one has seen ducks right like <laughs> why why would they bring ducks to these planets right you know they, yeah people don't know what swans look like anymore they have anymore. cows cuz they're needed for to feed humans but right. not everything was brought over from earth it was totally and i think that man how cool would it be if the planets looked alien like it, I know they didn't have the budget for this, yeah. but I'll, I would imagine that if Joss Whedon was allowed, he would have made these out west planets have like different colored Crazy grass or flora and fauna. Yeah, yeah, yeah totally. Like or alien like animals, multiple moons in the sky, or yeah, fun I mean, colored water. I don't know. Yeah, they get away from that by saying like we terraformed hunks of rock. Yeah, or barely terraformed them. So right. of course, so they would look Earth like. Mm-hmm. If I mean Terra is Earth terraformed. Right. right. Formed to look Earth-like, yeah. you know. I guess I'm. I don't know how to. I'm so not. I'm actual... not a linguistic person. <laughs> no, you got it. You I got couldn't it. even say I'm not. A, I'm not a linguistics. Yeah, you know. You're not a linguistics. That's the word I'm looking for. <laughs> I am not a linguistics. Obviously, that's the only C I ever got in college was in linguistics. Yeah. The only C of my entire life. Oh no. Was in linguistics. We're bringing up old wounds. Yeah. <laughs> and I actually like. I was really bad at it. Mm. I. I but I, deser- I definitely deserved to be. <laughs> and actually, I thought anyway, yeah. there was a test. This actually happened. Like there was a test where I got an F on a test. I've never gotten an F in my entire life oh. on anything. Yeah. And I'm like, you gave me an F on the test? Like I'm yeah. not that bad at this, am I? So I went in and I talked to the teacher like after hours. I'm like, can you show me what I did wrong? Because I can't figure it out. Mm-hmm. And she's like, oh, well, this is incorrect. And this is incorrect. Like correcting the corrections. And I went from getting an F to a B. Oh. Yeah. Well, from an F to a B because it was mis- like my test was miscorrected by her <laughs> teaching aid. Yeah. And I'm like, okay, I'm getting a C in this class because mm-hmm. of this test. Right. Like you Makes should you question all of it. Well, she said like she actually said you this you don't get a C, you get a B. Like mm-hmm. you're not going to get a C, you're going to get a B because this test was wrong. Yeah. And then she never fixed it and I got oh, a C. No. 
and I like wrote in and like never heard back. Yeah. So I just got a C, and like it wasn't a big deal, mm-hmm. and it, like, it didn't matter, and that's why I didn't pursue it because mm-hmm. like who cares? But you'll always remember that class. <laughs> yeah, I I always remember that I was bad at linguistics, uh. and I'm like weirdly proud of my one C mm-hmm. because not because I earned it for being bad, but because like I earned it for just being chill. I'm like whatever. Right. I'll take a C. You I don't didn't... care. And that was growth for me because I was like really uppity about my grades when I was a kid, you know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I stopped caring. By our, the time I finished school, are... I was like, I don't care what grade I have anymore because mm-hmm. like this, it, this really seems like I need to not be here anymore. <laughs> I need to leave school. I yeah. need to get into the world. Great. great but I, I got a college degree as... first, you know? Yeah. I don't know. Not advocating, not going to school. No. Yeah. Stay in school, kids. Yeah. <laughs> don't let jesse be a bad influence (laughs) yeah totally but i will say that like sometimes i wonder if i should have just started working instead of going to college yeah maybe even for like a year you know it's weird the things that you're taught to prioritize as a kid right um like no one cares what your grade was later on in life unless you just stay in school like the only ones that care about your grade is school it seems like so like it, no one's gonna check your GPA when you're apl- interviewing for a job. You know, like right. no one's gonna like give you a raise based on whether you passed or failed a test in right. college. Like, right, totally. It's it's weird the things that you're taught to. Right. Well, and the 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 fields in which those matter are not music. You know, <laughs> like right. I got a music degree. Yeah. And that you know, I will also say that I had experiences in college that like really shaped who I am as a person and like were really worthwhile. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm, and I wouldn't trade those. So, but sometimes I just, I get frustrated with the amount of time it took. Yeah. Cause I was really ready to be done being a student. Some people love being students and I, I really love it if it's something that I'm super passionate about, mm-hmm. but if it's not, then I get really impatient. Yeah, I don't know. I I loved being a student for a while and then realized that um, the college path was not for me, which was really hmm. unexpected. I, I always thought I was going to be um, academic for a really long time. And then when I got into the system, I just realized, you know what, this is not, it's not working out. It's not what I need. I'm just going to jump into, you know, figuring out me outside of school. Yeah. And, uh, I don't yeah. regret that at all. I w- yeah, that's that's what I regret not doing. Mm-hmm. Cuz yeah, that's cool. I like that. Sometimes you just need to figure it out for yourself and Yeah, totally. Not stay in the system. Yeah. Like but again, like Malcolm James, Reynolds. Go to school. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, know. I mean that's what he's all about is like being outside of the system cuz mm-hmm. the system doesn't feel good to him cuz it's wrong. It doesn't work right for him. I and mean, yeah, yeah, it's he he knows um even though he is l- legally a criminal and that's what the show explores a lot it's the moral ambiguities of of unjust laws exactly sorry to interrupt but that's no that's perfect that was i was searching for (laughs) the right yeah that was was perfect yeah um which the moral ambiguity of unjust laws firefly 105 with jane and (laughs) jesse i know (laughs) dissertation yeah um oh but so the the location that they filmed uh this episode paramount ranch uh, in California, you see it, it's one of the places that Hollywood has used for Westerns for almost a century now. I think they bought it in the 1920s, um, Paramount, for filming, you know, old Westerns and stuff. And it keeps showing up over and over again. They oh, actually nice. filmed a little bit of Westworld there, too. Oh. Um, 
but I think I know. I I'm remembering a. I don't know, but I'm yeah. the, I'm remembering a scene in like a a house that looks similar to something. Was it a house or was it like a field? Was it a barn? Um. So they filmed a few different parts there, and they built like specific sets. They built the the church. Um, in season one that you see multiple times, that little chapel. Yeah, um, the thing I'm thinking of is nothing. Okay. <laughs> Keep going. That is what, uh, unfortunately, I'm leading up to bad things here. Um, oh. There was the California fires, the big fires oh, last no. year, November yeah. of 2018. Um, burnt down most of the sets that were there. Oh, bummer. So that little chapel, I think, was one of the few things that actually survived. So, so which thing exactly in the episode do you know was shot there? Is it like the town? The the ta- the the like old west like town like the strip yeah the strip of like okay. all the the shops and stuff and that's yeah. okay and that strip is where they shot some Westworld stuff um they I don't know if it was that exact spot I'd have to look a little bit deeper into it because I know they built a lot specifically for Westworld on this same location. oh gotcha um I'm but, so curious now I, I want to like see if there's a thing you can see in Westworld and in yeah Firefly do some cross reference also there's like the you pointed this out again the the uniforms that the Alliance officers wear are the from Starship Star- Troopers. Yeah. Like slightly but they altered. Like, they like painted it purple. Yeah. They call them purple bellies because there's like <laughs> deliberately differently colored patches of these things. But um, yeah, the, the shape is very recognizable. Yeah. I love that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. I love that. I don't know. Like just the craftiness of some filmmakers where they make so much out of so little. Because mm-hmm. Firefly, like it's not the highest budget show. You can... Right. See through the cracks a lot. You're like, you like we were talking about that today. Like yeah. the the cow poop looks so fake. <laughs> it looks very very fake. And maybe just because like, they put so much of it on that scene where Mal's walking down the, the well, like cows don't poop. Like it doesn't come out like soft serve. You know, like in a little pancake, <laughs> like a little emoji. Like yeah, it's not totally. a perfectly crafted little. Yogurt. You don't like pull their tail and yogurt comes out. <laughs> That's not how cows' butts work. No, no. And this is going to be some splashing, and There's there was a, no splashing. A lot of poop. Reference in this episode like yeah. uh, smallish droppings like yeah with the black market beagles black market and beagles they, have like, smallish droppings yeah they show <laughs> so simon like breaking in some fancy shoes by stepping in i feel like there was a similar thing in um Janestown, where he like steps in some mud and they just like always making fun of simon's clothes Poor yeah guy. he's always getting dirty <laughs> yeah yeah man I, there was like this what was this point I was trying to make? I keep forgetting about Simon. Oh yeah. So like learning that Simon um, was kind of living outside of the law already before he joins in with Mal. Yeah. It's like being a criminal in this world doesn't mean that you are, it doesn't mean the same thing that it does in our world. Like being a criminal means that you are unwilling to live by the law because the law is wrong. Right. And Simon was already feeling that way. So he was kind of already a criminal before he joined up with Mal. Yeah. And getting that little bit of his backstory makes him feel so much more at home in the show. And it's like, he just needs to toughen up because he's never had the opportunity to. And on top of that, I also like finally felt like I understood his relationship with River in this episode. I've never quite put this together, but like... River's just his best friend, you know? Right. Like, not just his sister, but also, like, the only other person that speaks his language as a human. Right. And, like, their relationship, I think, is so tight that they didn't need their parents um, to grow to grow into, like, conscious adults. Mm-hmm. They didn't need their... Because like, their parents' values are wrong. We learned that in this episode. And their their values are right, uh, according to, like, the show's <laughs> morality. Right. Let's say. Joss Whedon's morality. Right. And I share in that morality, so it's good for me. But... um. 
like this, you know, this idea that even if the government tells you to do something, if it's like morally unjust, you have to like stand up and do something. Mm -hmm. And like, we'll see, you know, if that happens in our day and age, like we'll see where I'm at. I might be hiding in my room down here. <laughs> but, um, but like if, you know, I, I don't know, but like if your sister's going to be burned at the stake, you try to beat people up to make it stop. Right. And if you can't make it stop, then you decide to go with her because right. like you can't live with yourself you if you don't. You can't join the society that is so clearly warped. Yeah. Um so you'd rather you'd rather die. You'd rather die. He, he's making that stand right in. there. Yeah. And with what we learn about the character in that episode, I feel like it's just it works. Like it's justified, it's earned mm -hmm. for the story and I it bothered me a little bit as a kid. I'm like Simon's being melodramatic, but I don't think he is. Like He's a very melodramatic person. He is. And he's been melodramatic <laughs> all Simon. episode, and it's adorable, and I love it, and he's awesome. Yep. But in that moment, he's just being, like, he's legit laying down his life because mm -hmm. he refuses to live without his best friend uh, in this world that would be no good without her. Mm -hmm. And then you get these little glimpses of what they were like before she was changed. And that's so powerful, too, because you get to see a little bit of what their relationship might have been if it weren't altered by her being changed by this un unjust government. Right. I, I love how they explore the the origins of these two characters mm -hmm. and how being thrust into different situations kind of forces them to react, but it keeps the two of them together. Like, even though she's been warped and, and experimented on and her brain is addled, she knows that Simon is a safe place. Like she trusts mm -hmm. him implicitly when he gets taken by the guys that snatch him uh, and they're walking him through the trees. She's like, Oh, I need to, I, some bad things are happening. I need to find Simon. And she comes looking for him and she follows him, even though clearly things are not right. She's like, Oh, I found, I found Simon. Things are going to be okay. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Even though they've been abducted. Yeah. It's all yeah. good, but they're together. So, yeah. you know, that's really the, the heart of what matters to those two. It doesn't matter where they are. They're just, yeah. it's, you know, family and friends they've got the, the best of both in each other they were telegraphing so hard that that river is telepathic it's like explicit yeah. in this episode that river is telepathic and yeah. i don't know why i never really thought of it that way because that's so what's happening mm -hmm. she's reading minds you know it's it's addressed in the episode that she is reading this little girl's mind right um and other people as well, like she reads the town mayor's mind. Yeah. And in my mind, I'm like, we don't know what River's powers are. She's fucking telepathic. Right. Like, I don't know why I never put you that can together. Tell she's got some superpowers. Yeah. Something is going on here. And they've only really hinted at it before. But uh, now they're starting to really explore abilities for her. Yeah. And also we learn about her martial arts ability and her super strength. So she's like a, I mean, she's basically a superhero. Like she's yeah. super strong and can yeah. read minds. Right. She she is an X Men Cla now. <laughs> Classic Joss Whedon, uh, a girl with superpowers. Yeah, I mean I'm all for it. I love yeah. it, yeah. Uh, but I love how like this isn't. It could it could be reframed as a superhero show. Like this is River's mm -hmm. origin story. Yeah, uh, and that kind of you know kind of is what this is in a way, but it doesn't feel like that at all. Like it doesn't even feel. I mean, it, it feels like a sci-fi show to me because I love sci-fi so much, but I feel like to most people it would just feel like a Western. And it'd be like, why are they in space? This is a Western. <laughs> yeah, the beauty of sci-fi, um, this you know, space opera, is that it does both so well. It doesn't just use like 
one or another as a gimmick, like, oh yeah, cows on a spaceship. It's like, no, it really fuses together both of these worlds in a seamless kind of way that makes sense, and it doesn't feel like you're just, you know, being uh, entertained at, I yeah. guess. <laughs> yeah, totally. Yeah. You're, it's like you're being entertained with. Yes. It, because yeah. it's so character-driven, and this, this episode really shows the fine workings of everything and and it shows multiple times not just with Simer 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 <laughs> Simer uh Some river shipping going on there I know whoops <laughs> you know they're siblings right um the Simon and river. <laughs> uh Simon and River but also with book I mean these are the three people who just recently came onto the ship as passengers um but instantaneously Mal has adopted them as his own crew and they yeah. show you throughout the episode and then they literally say it as the last couple of lines you're my crew. You're my crew. Why are we Why still, are we still talking about this? About this? <laughs> yeah. Um, it really drives home, though, like what lengths he will go to to protect his crew. Right. Um, he will go straight to the Alliance voluntarily. He will jump into a crowd of crazy people who are trying to burn people at the stake. Like he will go out of his way above and beyond to protect people on his crew. It's not a matter of money. Mm-hmm. It's It's not... It's, you know, it's loyalty. Once you're on his crew, he will do anything for you. Yeah, I think even on top, I totally agree with you. I think like on top of that, it's also his sense of what is just for all humans. Mm -hmm. It's like all people deserve the same opportunities in his mind. Yeah. I think because, you know, in in the movie, in Serenity, when he has the opportunity to release the message, he does Mm because like he wants everything to just be fair for everyone. He wants, if it's true, it should be known, you know, no matter what it does, uh, if there's information that is true, that is impactful to a lot of people, they should know it. Um, yeah. And like his just blanket morality across everyone, I think is so interesting, but like if you, it's like being on his crew means that you are like someone who's outside of society. And I feel like anyone who like really wanted to pursue that lifestyle in an honest way, he would be warm to, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. They're all kind of outcasts in their own way. Um, yeah. But that's part of what makes them such a good ensemble. You know, they they understand each other a little bit more um, because they're all rejected by society or re- reject society themselves. Um, so they've got that found family kind yeah. of, you know, I'm totally. adopt you as someone who really understands my uh, philosophy kind of thing. Yeah, Even, which I love so much. Like I, because it makes the viewer feel like they are your found family. Yeah, you know what I mean. Exactly. Like, every time I watch the show, I just feel like I'm hanging out with friends. Mm-hmm. And it honestly, like, it felt like seeing people I hadn't seen in a long time. It's like seeing loved ones that I hadn't seen in a long time, it which is, is such an interesting nice. feeling. I love that feeling when I'm watching a show. Yeah. Um, yeah, <laughs> which is so funny because I just you know, um, I just started watching Arrow season one because like the last the last podcast it's not out yet but the last one i recorded was with doug and he mm-hmm. was telling me about watching all these um dc cw shows mm-hmm. and it kind of convinced me finally to, to give it a try 
And I keep hearing that Arrow season one is not great, and I'm just so in love with it. Oh, like, well, right away. It's only got I, up to go. I love it. It's I'm seven episodes in, and I'm like, this is great. Yeah. Because it's basically just a remake of Smallville, and I love Smallville. <laughs> it's so similar to Smallville. Yeah. And it's also like Green Arrow's story is also Batman's story, like you know, Playboy billionaire with a secret dark thing that he does at night. Right. It's it's very similar. Um. So it's just a lot of things that I already really love, and it's done well and it's like a very competently made show and it it's like winking and nodding at itself all the time it's like that style of tv i just really love yeah and i already am like investing in all the characters right away and it just feels like so comforting and then like you watch firefly it's like this is the most extreme version of this comforting feeling that you can have (laughs) i I feel like you know on Mm -hmm. a tv show yeah it just so many years later it's 2019 the show came out in 2002 that's a long time for a show to stand up and still feel good i mean we were watching it on the the blu-rays earlier and some of the effects you're like okay yeah Yeah. that may not you know be as uh long lasting as as some other things but the story and the characters and each episode feels like a little security blanket you know like you you put it back on you're like oh yeah this is comfortable It's, it's yeah after so long, it's that's very rare to see. Yeah, and, and when I watch it, I like remember the first time that I felt that way. Mm-hmm. You know, I remember like developing that relationship with this show because mm-hmm. for me, it happened in episode four where I really fell in love with it, which is the duel episode. And then this comes right after that. Mm-hmm. And this episode, I feel like, is really, really fantastic. I mean, the acting, like, the the crew is just gelling. You can yeah. see that the people making it are just in and, like, it's They're working. They're all in. They're yeah. all in. Like, mm-hmm. all the actors believe the world. And yep. then, I mean, as as janky as the show can be, I believe it because it <laughs> it's just so believed by the people involved. Yeah. And you just feel that. It's just palpable. Mm-hmm. And to feel that in the fifth episode, after already falling in love with the show, was just, like, confirmation. Yeah. This is the show. Like, this is what I want want yeah because i was you know the the pilot is so different than the show becomes and the train job is great but it's like Mm -hmm. really different than the pilot so like what show is this like what is this and then the uh, the next episode is like pretty good but not my favorite Mm -hmm. and then you get to um i think bushwhacked was that one and then you get to uh uh shindig shindig and it's like whoa yeah okay this could be great and then the next episode you're like oh "Oh my god yeah this is this is this is really great holy shit this is like a gem and i found it and i feel so special because i'm watching it it's so good the chemistry of all the crew is amazing they're all still real life friends like almost two decades later uh and and you get to see them when they like reunite at at uh, conventions and they just like have this camaraderie um there's a scene from the very end of this where they're they sit down to eat dinner like uh simon and river come down mal's like right right, right. yeah yeah. they're all just hanging out yeah and they're all hanging out and if you look closely, they are eating steak, by the way, from some of the cows. Oh, I didn't notice that. That's great. <laughs> um, but some of this, like, real-life stuff, they th- this was steaks that was part of the scene that they were filming. And then they went to break for lunch, like all the actors and the crew and everybody went to lunch. And they got to actually eat the steak. Uh, but they, were, they all decided to, like, sit around the table and enjoy each other's company and just, like, wow. continue spending time with each other because they really got along so well in real life. <laughs> like they didn't want to leave the set. Like they're all actually genuine friends. Wow. and And so it, it really comes across on the camera when they're getting along with each other. 
um, it, it, you can feel it. I, I love that. I yeah. love that so much. Like I feel that when I watch um, Star Trek The Next Generation and when I watch Frasier, mm-hmm. you can just feel that like, you know, those people love each other. Yeah. And it just comes through. Right. It's not forced. Like uh, earlier we, we had mentioned... Uh, Castle, you know, another Nathan Fillion yeah. show. And when the actors don't get along in real life, it feels forced. You can yeah. feel an awkwardness in certain scenes where it's just like, they are paid to be in each other's company right now. They do <laughs> not necessarily want to be here right, right. now. Um, and it's really unfortunate when, when that doesn't work out, you know, with the real life humans who are bringing these stories to you because it just, it makes the whole thing suffer. Absolutely. When I think about like security blankets as a TV show, I think that like obviously, like I just said, Next Generation Frasier on that list. Survivor mm. for me is on that list. Like, oh really? Yeah, I just love Survivor. Mm. And this show, like, absolutely. Um, Deep Space Nine is up there for sure. Yeah. What What are those things for you? Like, what What shows do you just like to wrap up in? Oh man. Um. Well, obviously, Firefly is number one. Yes. <laughs> number one on the yeah, list. Firefly. Always, always and forever. It'll be Firefly. Um. Uh, another Joss Whedon uh, favorite. I've seen a dozen times the whole thing through at least Buffy. Um, mm-hmm. You can just put on an episode and either have it in the background or you can sit down and you can actually watch it and it still holds up really well. Yeah. Um, West Wing, a- another yes. show that we talked about before we started recording. Yeah, we, um, oh, I love that show. It's so it, good. It's so... Re- you learn things. Um, like, you know, I guess a lot of people our age kind of who watched this show learned a lot about politics by this television series that yeah. uh, kind of opened up a world that we had not been interested in before. And it, it made it something that you could relate to now. Yeah, totally. And I just love that idealistic yeah. policymaking. Fantasy, it's just so but... <laughs> nice. Yeah. That's it's a little cool. depressing to watch it now, but. So what that was that four, four shows, uh, Firefly, Buffy, three. West Wing. Oh, that's three. That's three. Um, I can't think if there's any other like TV that I've watched repeatedly. Yeah, like even a show like The Expanse, which is one of my favorite shows that yeah. I've ever seen, mm-hmm. is not a warm blanket. Like no. that that show's like a deliberately makes you uncomfortable. Right. Which That's like a it's like a A lot of sci-fi will do on purpose. I don't know what it is like. I don't, it's it's weird. It's like a yeah. it's like and you have to be so engaged with it. You have to yeah. be really focused on it. Mm-hmm. Um and it's not like a comforting show in any way. Right. It's supposed to pick at certain, uh, I don't know, social mores to like make uh, you think. It's commentary on yeah, things absolutely. now yeah. and, and trying to like make you realize this is wrong. This is right. You yeah. know, it's it's uh, exploring people more than the actual space. It was so funny. You could say that exact same thing about Firefly. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Well, and honestly, like Star Trek too. I mean, the, the things that I really love are mm-hmm. the things that do that. Yeah. Well, <laughs> the good ones that really um, that become cult favorites are right. are that way for a reason. You know. Right. Um, it doesn't matter what the effects are. It doesn't matter how much money was poured into it. If mm-hmm. the story doesn't ring true with people, it's just gonna it's gonna be a giant flop. Right. Yeah. If it has some sense of, for me, if it has some sense of like morality and positivity, and mm-hmm. you know self-determination then i'm just going to be super into it <laughs> yeah because yeah those are the best things <laughs> oh man so 
there's um, this is a little bit of a tangent, but there's a, a Netflix original thing called Love, Death, and Robots. Have you seen any of those? I haven't. No. Oh man, there's one episode in particular that reminds me, and like everybody else that I've ever talked to, about Firefly. Like the instant you it comes on, you hear this kind of like twangy, almost banjo music that you're like, oh, oh my god, Firefly. <laughs> <laughs> and um, just the way that people talk in this one, they're each like ten minutes long or so, so they're really short. Um, but after watching that, I was like, oh my God, I need to rewatch all of Firefly right now. Um, I highly recommend you get a chance to watch cool. it. Cool. check it sci-fi. out. Nice. Yeah. I, for some reason that reminded me of something else in the episode that I loved. Um, that moment when River's dancing mm-hmm. is, and, uh, you like, you know how she said earlier how the cows weren't cows till they got outside? Yes. I feel like that's like River isn't River until she's dancing. That's exactly. like getting outside for her. It's like being mm-hmm. being in her natural environment, or more natural environment to her, you get to see her blossom. Right. And I love that Mal understands what she's saying in that moment because I totally got it as a dog <laughs> owner. Like yeah. when you take a dog outside, mm-hmm. they become a dog. They you know? instantly remember like, oh yeah, this dog. is what I'm supposed to be yeah. doing. I need to sniff yeah. this and roll yeah. in this and yeah. you know. They got things to do. Yep. That are very dog-like. Definitely. That he doesn't do inside because, like, he doesn't need to do that inside. He needs to do it outside because there's all those smells outside. Yeah. And that's just being a dog. That's like what it is. It's perfect. And 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 Mal is just like that. Like, he understands exactly what's going on there because, you know, the alliance is like inside for him, and being able to have his own ship and his own crew and go wherever he want and wants and like do things. That's being outside and seeing this guy again. You know, the yeah, you can't totally. take this guy from me. He's right. most alive when he is out here living outside of the law. Yeah, totally. Yeah. I, I, for me, it's just super, the whole thing is just super solid. Like, yeah. I really don't have complaints about this episode. I have preferences that I might have done differently but i mm-hmm. but i like how it was pulled off so much that i they're not even worth mentioning yeah. like i it wouldn't occur to me to tell i'm gonna mention it anyway it wouldn't occur <laughs> to me to tell a story about witchcraft you know right. that seems a it rings anachronistic anachronistic in a way that i think could could like or and it's just so loaded mm-hmm. that i think that it could really take some people out of the story yeah but for me it really worked like i you know I could kind of do the mental gymnastics to say, okay, well, people stop believing in witchcraft, but then, like, these people are not, are, like, outside of society in a way where maybe, like, that has come back in fashion somehow, because, like, yeah. they believe that, you know, witches or the demons have forced this life upon us or whatever, you know, who knows? Yeah. Like, I, I could imagine that coming back enough to just ride along with it and say, okay, well, now they think River's a witch. All right, right. I'm fine with that. They're yeah. going to try to burn them. All right, that makes sense to me. Yeah. Like, I, I'm still in at that point. That's part of what I think I like the least about the episode. Um, Squeaky chair. That they are... Yep. Yeah, oh, yeah. Sorry. Sorry, continue. Um, so, it that was just sounds like The it's... sounds of my butt, basically. <laughs> the dulcet tones of yours. Of my ass. <laughs> <laughs> Um, it's such a squeaky chair. It's the worst thing to use for a podcast. It looks pretty comfy, though. But it's so comfy. Yeah. What am I going to do? Not sit in a comfy chair? No. No, no you will not. No. I Just, will not, sir. You, you pay the price. Um, we all pay the price for my comfort right now. Oh, it's it's beautiful. It's the squeaks. 
But beyond that, this room, sorry to interrupt. No, no, but it's for... th- this room actually for the podcast sounds better than my last room because the there's last... no radio interference here and it's fucking wonderful. I've had radio interference for years. Yeah. Well, you lived in a very shiny, upscale, urban, squeaky clean cement and metal and glass everywhere yeah. building. <laughs> and now you live in something that has like, it's surrounded by trees. Right. And, you know, there's actual plant life outside and more carpet and to right. absorb sound and it's it's all more uh it's a cozy. more absorbent area i yeah. guess <laughs> but it's so funny because like i'm such a city kid like mm. i never thought i'd want to not live in the city but this is like the ultimate it's perfect because like you see the city but you live yeah. in the grass exactly it's so great I, that's why it's seattle is the best we have everything yes, here it's so good yeah okay I interrupted you. Where were oh, we? So okay, witchcraft. So witchcraft. Th- there we are. This is part of the reason, I guess. I feel like it's a trope that's used too often, where it's like there's a girl who is a little empowered, or she's she's smarter than she mm. should be. She knows things that she shouldn't. Right. And burn she, her. Burn her. She's yes. a witch. Uh, yeah. She's and, above average. Destroy yeah. <laughs> her. Take her down. Yeah. Totally. Uh, and she's I, a Mary Sue. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. We will not her. have her. Kill her. Yes. And it, it just it rubs me the wrong way. <laughs> I, I hear you I for just, sure. Like, really? You have to... People are always going to try to burn the witches. You know, they're always going to, yeah. in a mob mentality, take down someone that is a little different and they don't like it. And yeah, that's also commentary on humanity itself. Like, no matter... Where we go in the universe, how far in the future it is, there's always going to be people that are going to act like this. Yeah. And <laughs> it's I, I skip over this episode more often than other episodes. If, I, wow. if I'm going to pick and choose and I'm not going to sit down and watch it start to finish, safe is almost always going to get skipped. That something's is fascinating. On the block. Wow. Yeah. Interesting. It's and I see why. I hear you. The, like, I see why. Yeah. If the, I mean... That's going to bother me now because I didn't think about that before. I no, it's okay. I it for you. <laughs> <laughs> I told you you it. couldn't and you did it. I did no, it not really. Um, I, I, that's the thing where like I wouldn't have chosen that witchcraft storyline. Mm-hmm. And I see like, but I feel like I see why Joss Whedon did it because yeah. he wanted to be like, oh, look, she has powers and it scares people, yeah. you know? It's, it's. But but now that you've said that, I feel like someone should have brought that up, yeah. and and maybe another choice would have been better to tell that same story. Right, and everybody knows Joss Whedon's an atheist, and he's got his own bone to pick with religion in particular. Um, I just, I wish he hadn't used that particular, or the, like the show, every, everybody involved um, creating this story. I wish they hadn't used that method to bring about right. this story it was the right. easiest way to like shorthand that we're all used to like oh yeah they're religious they're gonna burn her for being a witch right it just it feels lazy to me yeah and i you know like as someone who when i was growing up like every representation of men that i saw who were above average they were mm-hmm. not burned they were you know they were they burned were... alive they were turned into superheroes they were like worshipped right, right. and so the if... instant a girl has some powers of her own like right. 
literally burn her right i mean there's a subliminal message there like yeah. if you are a woman you mm -hmm. know don't let your light shine too bright right. otherwise you'll be killed right. like what's that message why are we teaching that message to our little girls that's yeah. horrible and uh, having seen buffy before there is an episode almost exactly the same um mm -hmm. where there's the mothers opposed to the occult or moo for short <laughs> yeah um they try to burn willow and her uh wiccan friends um because they think, you know, bad things are happening. We need a scapegoat. Let's burn these girls. Yeah. You know? Um, yeah. And yeah, for me, because I didn't grow up that way, I'm not like personally sensitive to it, you mm -hmm. know? But like, I totally, like, I totally hear what you're saying. And it yep. will, like, I will now be thinking about that when I watch that. Yeah. But I will say that for me, because like the way that I read that is, you know, these people are awful and our people are good. So what the awful people are doing mm -hmm. is not you know, like, should be offensive. And I don't... I can be offended by that and not upset at the show. Right. Well, that's part of it. Like, I... They're using it as a shorthand for, like, you know that these guys are instantaneously the bad guys... Right. ...because they're trying to burn our heroes. Right. You know? Right. But it, there's a world in which that could be considered lazy, because that's yeah. such a trope. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I, yeah, I do, I mean, like, sorry, go ahead. vast majorities of the yeah. episode. The the quips are all great. There's a lot of quotables. We get big, big damn heroes from this episode. Yes. Um, there's so much great... Um, Puzzle pieces, so many great puzzle pieces um, that jigsaw together. I just, I don't know that. Yeah, I, I wish you know the, that uh, whole village of you know people didn't exist. Yeah, <laughs> and I will say that like the last the that the way that wraps up with the big damn heroes line is mm -hmm. like they show up in the nick of time and yeah. Mal asks Zoe like. Like, uh, what does that make us? And she's like, big yeah. damn heroes, sir. Yeah. And she's Ain't like we just... swaggering in yeah. the most it's the incredible best. way that yeah. you've ever seen mm -hmm. and with this giant gun in her mm -hmm. hands. Um, and it's like, no matter what these people think about, you know, women and their fears right. about witches. Right. And also like the, you well, know, the, the fact that the mayor, you know, that he didn't think she's a witch. He just knew that she was reading his mind and wanted to kill her because she could hurt his power. Right. Again, it's that survival thing where yeah. it's like, oh, well, this is a threat to me. I need to do what I need to do to survive. Yes. Take her out. To exactly. <laughs> Let exactly. these people but yeah, pretend but, she's But a then witch. our heroes show up yeah. and, you know, you got Zoe like center screen, big damn heroes, yeah. sir, with her swagger. And it's just yep, like... Yep. Fuck the rest of this, like doing a hero walk. We, yeah. you know, this is what matters. You know, mm -hmm. like this is what this show is about. So, yeah. and that feeling is so palpable mm -hmm. in that moment. Yeah, I, I will say that I'm feeling much more enthusiastic about this episode today than I ever have in the past because, mm -hmm. like, I've never really tried to analyze it. I've just enjoyed it. Right. But when I really tried to connect the dots on it, it all just worked so well for me. It all gels together great as an episode. Yeah. And that's why I'm so conflicted about it because totally. It's kind of masterfully done in so many ways. I just feel a little off about how they got there. Right. Um, so. Yeah. And that's it's, tough. It's still a lot better than all the other TV out there. Right. And it's hard to like watch something that you love and put it through the same lens that you'd put it through now. Mm -hmm. Like it's a very dated show already. You know, I mean, it's right. made in the early 2000s, right? Yep. Yeah. So it's. 2002. 2002. Wow. So. What what are we at? Like seventeen years ago? Yeah, cool. it's crazy. I feel like last year was like the ten year anniversary. It's so weird how yeah, time so is weird. flying on it. Yeah, and it it does stand up really well 
um, overall, but For there's sure. parts of it that you can tell was made super dated in a different, you know, climate. Like yeah, like when I watch Next Generation and like when I'm watching Beverly Crusher fuck a ghost, I'm like, right. this is the worst. I mean, this offends me. <laughs> right. I don't like this. Certain things but were. It's still my allowed. favorite show. You know, like yeah. that was season seven. That was the last mm-hmm. season. They had no right to be doing something that rapey without commenting on it right. in season seven. You right. know, um, so. I don't know. And it's really, it's really troubling. But then it's also like, well, they, this was a long time ago and they weren't, you know, the social awareness that we have today Mm -hmm. has been cultivated since the eighties when this was, or the nineties when this was made, or in this case in the two thousands, the social awareness took a big jump in the last few years. I think the last few years alone have been huge. I mean, you look at like Disney movies now and they're empowering princesses to save themselves instead of waiting for the totally. prince to come around you know i'm just waiting for nintendo to pick that up with yeah. peach i mean i don't want to be saving peach anymore i'm just saying nintendo i want right. i want to be playing as peach and have to save mario that's what i want yeah i actually just that made that up and yet? i want it so bad yeah. that i can taste it right now nintendo that if you're great. listening give the people no that's want. actually not true at all i pl- <laughs> i just remembered i played a rom hack where you play as princess peach oh, nice. and it was awesome i like really but it enjoyed was a it. hack it like it wasn't right it wasn't official but a 3d Cannon. like the sequel to super mario odyssey is mm-hmm. um Peach's Great Adventure or something, and yeah. like Peach gets to travel the galaxy. That would be great. I'm, I'm sure it's coming out soon. I hope so. And yeah, the rumor is that in the new Breath of the Wild game, you can play as Zelda, which would be incredible. I want that very badly. Yeah. I really want to play as Zelda. I haven't so heard bad. anything about upcoming stuff. Very... I, yeah, it's not been announced. It's oh, not okay. official. There's just because you saw them both okay. in that little. Yeah. snippet preview thing okay. did you see that that went up at no. e3 uh-uh. uh they officially announced that breath of the wild 2 is coming Yay. basically have you oh so this is news oh my god i've been under a rock for a while <laughs> oh my so. god jane breath of the wild 2 is officially announced Squee. i didn't i didn't start that in the right way <laughs> <laughs> no, that's, and they showed this little teaser awesome trailer and it was um zelda and link creeping around in this dark dungeon and there was mm. this like uh like version of uh Ganondorf that was like all shriveled up and mummified and it's very exciting he always Um, comes back he always comes back yeah (laughs) but anyway because of that people are thinking that maybe you can play as either character that would be great or what if it was like a two-player mode that'd be oh my god get to explore a giant world together and they're using the same world it's the same engine they're just Mm. like making a new game based off of the breath of the wild engine well they spent so long crafting that i know poured so much love into it and it's so great yeah i'd like I'd love to have a reason to re-explore it that mm-hmm. isn't playing the same game over again. Yeah. Master mode, I'm looking at you. <laughs> <laughs> Called out. I, I'm so frustrated that you couldn't play master mode at any time. Like, I want to... At the point in my gameplay where it got easy, mm-hmm. I would have loved to have upgraded to master mode. Yeah. Because I spent 250 hours exploring Hyrule. Right. I would have loved to upgrade it, like, maybe 50 hours. Maybe they thought it was too hard at first. I don't know, because, like... It was an afterthought to... I don't know. Like playing through again on master mode and starting over just yeah. felt like so empty. Mm-hmm. It's like I just I made this thing. Like my game file felt like something that I'd built yeah. in a weird way, almost like my farm on Stardew Valley. Yeah. Even though you don't build anything, you just f- collect, you know. Mm-hmm. But I had just been everywhere and collected everything and it all meant something to me. And then to start from scratch, like yes, I was interested in the harder mechanics, but I was frustrated by that. And then I was frustrated by starting over so it just wasn't as like it wasn't the experience i wanted from it i so wish i could have upgraded difficulty earlier well 
Maybe this uh, second time around, they will have learned some things. And yeah, maybe like Starlink Battle for Atlas. You can you can change your difficulty anytime in nice. the gameplay, and it's really cool because like as I'm getting better, I've upgraded a couple times, mm-hmm. and then I'm trying to make the game as hard as possible really early in the game so I can like have as much of an experience with like the difficulty because like the the harder a game is, the more rewarding it is to me. Right. If I can build it's those more skills, satisfying when you actually get the achievement as opposed to just coasting through it real totally. easy mode. And I love a game that forces me to build my skills. Mm-hmm. And that's why Hollow Knight was like such a perfect game. Because yeah. it's just really fucking hard, but it forces you to learn how. And then it gets so rewarding. And then it has all this optional stuff that's way hard. Celeste was this way also. Mm-hmm. Did you play Celeste? No. Oh, it's fantastic. I loved it. I don't play as many games. I just, I don't know. I feel like there's only so much time in the yeah. day to be able to absorb all of the content. And right. I feel like I'm constantly behind, like, you know, the to-be-read or to-be-played yeah. stack just gets ever totally. higher. And, yeah, uh, I, a, I, I, I know what you have, mean. But... Yeah. That's like watching, starting the Arrowverse mm-hmm. feels so daunting, and that's why I didn't do it for so long. But yeah. now I'm like, I'm actually in a place where I really would love something daunting. Like, yeah. I'd love to bite off a new, you know, superhero universe why not yeah and like i'm so glad i waited because i'm enjoying it so much right at this moment so Mm -hmm. like you know knowing what's out there like black mirror i know i'm gonna love that yeah i'm waiting until i feel like it's time yeah and it's not time yet you know like i'm 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 in the mood for mindless warm blanket entertainment and the arrow is totally filling that up right now right there is a lot of like entertainment out there that will make you uncomfortable um and then there's stuff out there that like is escapism that you're just trying to you know the world is bad enough you don't necessarily need more of that in your free time like black mirror is a very brain stimulating show yes and i'm looking to to de-stimulate i'm looking to calm it down right up there right yeah well speaking of uncomfortable shows have you seen chernobyl no i heard about it though oh man i don't know Um, if i can watch it it is very disturbing there's five yeah. episodes. Um, now that Game of Thrones is over, we've you know got to keep some... our HBO subscriptions for something. Yeah. But <laughs> yeah, how did John you? Oliver. How did you? F- oh, so well, I want to know how you felt about Game of Thrones, but let's wait yeah. for a second. I want to okay. hear more about Chernobyl. It is very upsetting. It's some of the best television I've ever seen, though. Really, it was crafted so well. It's masterfully done, but it is instantaneously very upsetting. Um, and it's not necessarily the actual effects of the radiation that is that is bad that is horrifying and the makeup and the all the environmental stuff that they do to bring that to life is amazing um but what scared me the most about it was the politics um the whole situation where everything was being covered up because it would make russia look bad so all the people in charge kept saying no nothing is wrong Everything is fine. Put on a happy face. Don't evacuate people. Don't talk about it. And so just like getting to the point where they could put out the fires that happened from the initial explosion. Wow. Um, everything was delayed and so much carnage happened just from trying to pretend that things were fine. Whoa. Um, scary. It was terrifying. And it makes it's also like commentary on stuff today, like, you know, global warming. Like, you know, oh, no, we don't have to worry about that. Just business as usual. Don't listen to the scientists. The scientists are just (sighs) trying to scare you. Um, But that 
I'm shaking my head. It just terrifies me. That, like, I I was, I kept, not much things, or not many things will keep me awake at night. Yeah. But thinking about that show definitely cost me some sleep. (laughs) Yeah, I don't know if I can do it right now. I want to see it, but I might need to wait until I'm in a more stable place in my life. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Where, like, there's not a, I don't think I'd be able to take on more existential dread. That is exactly while, what it was. While, Existential dread. While we have Trump in office, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah. I highly recommend it. But yeah, if you need to wait, I, I totally understand. I feel the same way about Handmaid's Tale. Um, right. Yeah, like I'm waiting on that too. The world is just so messed up right now. Right. And it's triggering just right. to watch that kind of dystopian society where clearly we are on the path to some of that reality. Right. It's very upsetting to watch. Right. I mean, like, what's happening right now at the border is, like, as mm-hmm. terrifying as things that you see in those shows. Like, yeah. it's really bad. Yeah. It's, They're like, concentration camps, guys. Yeah. Uh, call them what they are. Yeah. You know, I actually it's haven't heard anyone say that before, but that's true. I mean, I was, yeah. yeah. We're right back where we were in World War Two with internment camps for yeah. Japanese people. Um, there were a lot of them in this particular, I mean, all over the country, but... Um, in the Pacific Northwest, there there were quite a few, and there are still people alive today who were impacted by this, like uh, George Takei. Right. His family was interred, and he's talking about it now because someone has to, you know? Right. I mean, th- there are kids who are not ever going to see their parents again, Yeah. you know, if they live through the experience. If they live through it, they're going to be scarred for life, and we have... They're keeping such terrible records of all of these families that are being torn apart that even if policy changes and they reunite or try to reunite people, they're not going to be able to because they don't know whose kids these are. Yeah. They just scooped them. It makes me like want to cry. It makes me like so ashamed that this is my country. Like I I can't even express how horrible it makes me feel. And I don't I don't know what what I can do. Like, what Mm -hmm. can I do? Yeah. Uh, if you're listening to this podcast, please tell me what I can do because yeah. I really don't know what I can tell do us to in help. The comments. You know? Um, yeah, I mean, you can. Yeah, you can. There actually, so you can tell us in the comments. If you go to my website, there is like a, yeah. a comment section on every episode. Mm-hmm. And also, you can email me at sci fi at jessemercury.com. Yeah. I'm legit asking, like, if you have, you know, action that can be taken. You can always write into your representatives, but uh, it, I think it is more impactful in certain areas than others, depending mm-hmm. on who those reps may be. Right. And I've done, I've done a little bit of that, but it didn't feel, it didn't feel like I'd made a difference. Like I want to do something where I can see, what can I do that has an actual chance of making a difference? Like I, I wish I had a bigger platform that Mm -hmm. I could use for that. Like if I could do like a charity stream, I would do it, you know, but like I have to get to the point where I'm not on medical leave and like not leaning on other people to pay for my own existence. Like right. I need to be able to be self-sufficient first. It's But if I had a big enough platform, I could do that. I, if I could get past that self-sufficiency point, mm-hmm. like what I would love to use a platform to affect change. Mm-hmm. Cause it seems like money is the only thing that you can use. It's so frustrating. It's very frustrating the way things are right now. Um... Like I have no money to give. So what can I do? Yeah. I want to do something. Well, you're, getting the word out i mean that's that's step one making people aware of the problem so i i, I hope mean, so i at mean at the very least you're doing that yeah it was pointed out to me in the last recording session that the people that i'm speaking to are not the people that need to hear the message that's true it's 
it's hard when you're preaching to the choir. Right. People who may already agree with all these viewpoints that you already have. Right. You're not making as significant of an impact as, as you want. Um, right. I don't know if this has really any... I, I think that the impact that me getting the word out is having is like negligible at best. You know, I wish I, I used to tell myself otherwise. And mm-hmm. I've actually like, you know, I've, I really have, now that we have real problems, you know, we had real problems before, but like right. we got real problems right now, you guys. Yeah. These are some serious issues. Yeah. Um, what, whatever you can do. I mean, I think the important thing is to not ignore it. Yeah. Um, you always, see better in hindsight, you know, history looks back on the people of Germany, like, how could they have let this happen? Well, you know, we're seeing it right now. Exactly. You know, you're yeah. just going about your life. You're just doing you. If people don't stand up right now and, to, and say no, that yeah. will happen. Yeah. You know, like Trump's talking about how his base is going to, you know, f- insist that he stay beyond two terms. Like mm-hmm. th- he's, he is like blatantly in plain day talking about totalitarianism, oh, you yeah. know? That he is. They've been there for a while. Like, he is Emperor Palpatine. I mean, <laughs> he's no. just like, he just wants power. He's yeah. just a person who doesn't care yeah. about anyone but himself who wants power. Mm-hmm. He is like everyone you see in the Firefly universe, you yeah. know? All these people are just thinking of themselves. Mm-hmm. And, like, it's not like I don't understand the desire to think for myself and, like, do what's best for me. I get it. I get it. Mm-hmm. But, like... <laughs> You got to look at other people too, you know? You can't just blindly turn an eye to suffering because it's not affecting you or your family. Like that, you just can't do that. And having someone in the presidency who is doing that is really upsetting, like very deeply upsetting to me on like a really deep level. And the fact that all all of this stuff is like happening around it that is so horrible and is like getting worse. It's just like, why, like why is no one doing anything like we got to get this guy out of office or like make a stand somewhere i don't know i hope it's coming absolutely um (laughs) i just i need to stop apologize i always apologize when i go on these political tangents it's happening a lot recently there's a big part of me like stepping away from podcasting for a time is that like i I haven't been in the right headspace um and i'm just gonna i don't know it's happening i'm just gonna own it right now you know like yeah i'm just gonna own it that i this is how i feel and you know Mm -hmm. i if this is not the podcast content you want to listen to i totally understand but i i'm not i have to like be free on my own podcast to talk about these things because i'm very upset you shouldn't have to (laughs) censor yourself i mean this is this is your creative outlet and yeah i might as well use it as therapy because that's what it should be you know Well, yeah yeah a little bit you know talk out your issues but uh i i feel like a lot of sci-fi uh creators and authors um showrunners they use that medium as a lens to look at all of this stuff (laughs) this is literally the premise of this entire show this is the point that they're trying to to self-analyze yes look at current day humanity and all of our issues like not even current day but like issues throughout time it doesn't matter Mm -hmm. the time or the location you know anywhere in the verse or a long long time ago in a galaxy far away you know using technology to explore humans yeah exactly yeah and why we can't have nice things yeah totally like let's look to the future to tell us something about what's wrong with today Mm -hmm. and i that is at the core of science fiction i mean i I almost feel like a piece of work is not science fiction unless it 
unless it, it analyzes humanity, mm-hmm. unless it uses science and technology or time mm-hmm. to um, teach us about ourselves and who we are. And it could be like a really minor thing. Like Back to the Future, I think the the message of that romp through time <laughs> is like value what you have. Yeah. Because it could be so much worse with, with one bad decision. You know, your life right. could be so different. So value what you have. And it's a very simple, there. like very positive message. And I think yeah. that's why those movies are so great is because like they are just good times injected with this nice message through a fun, you know, like flight of fancy through science mm-hmm. fiction. And it's just so great. And that, you know, has, I think, as much power as something like, uh, you know, like Firefly, which is saying, you know, if if the government is wrong, you got to stand up. Like if the yep. if the world you are living in is not letting you live free, and like America is supposedly the land of the free, you know, right. it's th- literally America is called the land of the free. <laughs> it is supposed to be this place where people can think what they want to think mm-hmm. and you know be who they want to be, but um, if they are willing to like follow laws and not kill each other and pay taxes like that's generally what america is supposed to be but that is functionally it is not what is happening you know what is happening is that it is that for for the elite for certain for certain people yeah uh cast (laughs) sure yeah yeah either through um you know income or through race it's Mm -hmm. only happening for certain people so like that's it's not the land of the free you know we have to fix that and the fact that I feel like I feel like the Republican Party, you know, speaking as someone who is, I, I guess, democratically, I'm liberal. I, I don't like calling myself a Democrat because I don't necessarily like what the Democratic Party is doing. Mm-hmm. I do generally like politicians who are Democrats. If I like a politician, like I really liked, you know, when Barack Obama was Barack Obama was running for president, I was excited. Yeah, like he, if that makes me a Democrat, so be it. <laughs> he made a whole lot of people interested in politics again because he was fresh. He didn't necessarily feel like, um, you know, like a party man, just like right. saying all of the same old right. talking points that everyone had said before. And what he what he talked about sounded like it could work, mm-hmm. you know. It, and I think the real thing that came out of it was universal health care, mm-hmm. whatever it is, you know, in its <laughs> okay. current form. Yeah. But like before Barack Obama, there was nothing. Mm-hmm. And now there is something. And whether or not it's working mm-hmm. is up for debate. But that was a massive change. And it's something that I wanted before he went into office. And it's something I still want, even though what we have is maybe not working. It may not be perfect, but it certainly fixed some problems, you know, like... uh, Right. It might be creating others, but we're working on it, you know? know? As someone with a pre-existing condition, that means a lot to me, you know? Like, so... Yeah, so that personally was a victory, even if it's, you know, we're still... And I hope that we continue to work on that as a country and make it better, because I think it can be a lot better. Um, You know, anyway, but I feel like the Republican Party is often looking to the past and saying, these are the things that have worked in the past, and we need to hold on to them as a country, where I feel like the Democratic Party is often looking forward and saying, we have changed, Mm -hmm. and these are the flaws that we found in ourselves, and we need to change what we're doing to fix it for as many people as possible it might not fix it for you personally but it will be a a fairer system for everyone and that is the hardest thing to come up with is a fair system for everyone i i wouldn't be able to do it i have ideas about what is more fair or less fair but i don't know how to implement any of that i can Mm -hmm. only say what i think and you have to start 
at least by having the conversation. Yeah. Um, it it kind of comes in the the names of of how people identify now. Um, not necessarily as you know Democratic or Republican, but as conservative or progressive. Hmm. Um, it's looking yeah. looking forward or looking back, like trying right. to keep things traditional, trying to not change or trying to move ahead and, you know, do the self-inspection that you need to even have the conversation to, to bring right. the debate forward, to, right. to talk the talk, you know? <laughs> and those people hated The Last Jedi. Because oh, the man. message of The Last Jedi is yeah. sometimes it's okay to leave the past behind. Yeah. Sometimes it's okay to say, well, just because this was how things are done mm -hmm. doesn't mean we have to keep doing them that way. Mm -hmm. And whether or not... I, I don't think that that message was delivered in a way that can be universally received, mm -hmm. but I, I got it and I liked it. Yeah. Um, yeah. Doug last, I'm still spinning about Doug telling me last week that the last <laughs> Jedi is his favorite star Wars movie ever, oh. which I love. Yeah. I, I don't feel that way, but I love that someone yeah. feels that way. I think that's so cool. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I don't know. I, I don't hate, uh, the last Jedi, but I also don't love it. I thought it was entertaining. Yeah. Um, I understand why some people are so angry about it. Um, but it's not, um, it's it's in the middle for me. It's... Yeah, for me, like there was the whole the whole Canto Bite Casino thing was just mm -hmm. superfluous, and I didn't really need it. Yeah. Um. I there was a there was like a bunch of stuff in the middle that I felt like I didn't need, mm -hmm. but I really liked where it started and where it wrapped up, and there was so much along the way that I loved, and the overall arc of the story I really like. It just felt like there was the way that they got from point A to point B didn't quite work for me. And a lot of that stuff passed through the middle of the movie where I'm like, what's happening? Yeah. But then when you get there, I'm like, oh, I see why you wanted to go here. So right. I'll forgive you the awkward journey to get here because I like where we got. Yeah. But I, you know, I'm, I'm like, keep feeling, conf like last week I was feeling, um, I was, I mentioned how I felt like I was having Star Wars burnout because oh, of the, the fan culture. Yeah. Like, but I, <laughs> thinking about it through this lens is making me more excited about it again. Mm -hmm. I'm just so the reason I feel burned out is because like I keep getting hopeful for these things mm -hmm. and then it just not you know it, it either satisfies me but the fans hate it or it's like you know good but not great well they have so much hype and such high expectations from yeah. people that they're never going to satisfy everybody you know right. I think they're just trying to do not the least to damage, but like right. try to That's what satisfy as many people right. as possible. It's become, it feels like political. And so it feels like a sellout to a lot of people. I don't know. I But I understand why they're making those choices. I feel like bringing Ron Howard in to Solo was mm -hmm. this thing where it's like, you brought in this huge director who makes very vanilla movies, and mm -hmm. he made a very vanilla movie. Yeah. And it it's like, I, I don't know. It just felt like a... In a weird choice yeah. like I, I see why you do it mm -hmm. it makes sense like if yeah. this movie's falling apart we need someone who can piece it into something that we can release mm -hmm. and I really like that movie I thought they did a great job yeah. but um, just the fact that like J.J. Abrams is coming back I, I think my, my Star Wars burnout is that I don't know if I should get excited for the rise of Skywalker. Mm -hmm. And I'm so sick of that feeling with Star Wars is like should I get excited? <laughs> I don't even know. I, I have not been really uh 
paying attention to like trailers and and following things along like i yeah me neither you said jj abrams is coming back i'm like that is complete news to me oh is it oh wow i'm just letting star wars happen like when that, it's yeah, time that's good. when that's the good. movie is out that's good i'll go see it i'm not getting any sort of expectations yeah um because yeah it's easier going in with a clean slate no totally that's wise it's good i i watch the first teaser trailer and then i'm off trailers unless Mm -hmm. like i'm in a movie theater and one comes on i don't i don't right like if if something is in a scenario where i'm gonna see it then it's like fine i'll I'll do it but i'm not gonna like but teaser trailers i'm all about i love them i want them i want from everything (laughs) i love them so good yeah it's so weird to feel like burned out on something and not because of the thing itself like i've liked every new star wars movie Mm -hmm. you know like i'm I'm not worried about the direction Star Wars is going in. I'm worried that the fandom is changing the direction. Like, that's what worries me. Uh, and that feels weird. Like, um, people harassing the actors. Yeah. Um, oh, my God. Like, I hate it. Was it Kelly uh, we, Chan? We can't talk about those? it. I can't go down that rabbit hole again. I just, okay, I okay. hate it. Right. I've, it's come up a couple right. times and I like, Okay. it really bothers me. It makes yeah. me feel like sick. And it makes me feel like this is something else that I was grappling with as I wasn't making shows is like as someone who sometimes is critical about science fiction mm-hmm. publicly, it made me feel like I was one of those people Ooh, and it made me feel feeling. gross. Yeah. yeah. And I feel like I had to wash it off. Yeah. And you no, know, I with some time away. I've like, um, for many different reasons, like the, the biggest reason was like my health was bad and my energy was low and I yeah. just wasn't up to it. Um, but, uh, I, there was a lot that like, was going through my mind during that time when I really thought that I was going to put this down and not pick it back up again. Oof, and this hard. is one of the things that almost made me put it down is like, mm-hmm. am I one of these people? And coming to the realization that I'm not, I, you know, I, There's my a... whole point is that I'm not yeah. one of those people. Like no, I, no. Well, I love people. Like I love, I want to share, spread love of people and I want to spread love of science fiction. And yeah. sometimes I might complain because things are not spreading love and it bothers me. I'm not complaining about things spreading love. I'm, I'm, you know, right. those, those people I'm mad at are doing the opposite thing. So There's I should be doing what I'm doing, you know, <laughs> what you're doing here in like critiquing the art and, and that, and like doxing people or like you know <laughs> right. making them quit twitter because of all the hateful comments that they're getting right. um there's a huge difference right in that and being able to i hope appreciate yes. the art or not appreciate the art is different than actually threatening someone's life right because it, you it didn't is. like their performance and that i is yeah absolutely it, it's a huge difference and i i do think that i will try to be careful with what i talk about not liking you know, I want to make sure I don't like it before I, cause I think the thing that yeah. is, is so dangerous is like, sometimes Standing I get so comfortable recording yeah. that I'm just like talking and not really thinking. And mm-hmm. I'll listen back later. I'm like, why did I say that? I don't, <laughs> I don't really think that. Stream do I? Consciousness just yeah. comes out and then suddenly you have a certain stand. Yeah. Yeah, totally. It's like, I don't want to take that stand. Mm-hmm. I just said that in that moment. And like, yeah. it's made me aware like sometimes I maybe even mirror what people say to make them comfortable or like not disagree with them mm-hmm. if i do disagree with them to make them comfortable yeah um well that's like interviewing and and thinking about you know you're you're thinking a couple steps ahead to what the audience is going to hear coming out of the podcast as they're you know driving to work or they're well d- yeah d- doing i think about it when i listen back to it but yeah. not in the moment right right and then that's when i get into trouble it's like yeah. Can I put this out there if it's like could be construed the wrong way or something? And Mm -hmm. it stresses me out. But I generally I cut those things out. I just Mm -hmm. cut them out. 
Um, and that's what's that's why the podcast takes so long to produce is because I'm like combing through it to make sure I didn't say anything that I don't stand behind mm-hmm. because that's problematic for me. You know, I don't want to do that. But then I've been game streaming for the last few years and it's I can't I can't do that. Yeah, it's yeah. just out there. Live streaming is totally different. I don't know how yeah. people do it. Um, yeah. Well, it made me realize that like podcasting, I I don't need to edit it as much as I do. Like mm-hmm. I I can stand behind things and i can also apologize for things like no one's no one's going through my podcast and scrutinizing every word that i've ever said like that is my or fear are they well what someone are you doing you know right now, listener no one is but somebody could and that scares yeah. me sometimes <laughs> um and yeah and that fear sometimes makes me a little reticent to put things out because like i've talked a lot about being jewish mm-hmm. and um you know my Have family ever- my family has connections to the neighborhood in um, Squirrel Hill, oh, where there was that yeah. shooting in Pittsburgh. Yeah. So, it when something like that happens, and like there are people in my family who say, you know, it might not be wise to talk about being Jewish on your podcast. I'm like, shit, you know, yeah. that's terrifying. That's... I've already, I'm already out there as a Jew. You know, right. I talk about it a lot, um, because I grew up in a day and age where that wasn't dangerous to me physically. Mm-hmm. But it could be. We might be living in that day and age now and I just didn't know it because I live in these like liberal pockets. Right. And it, that's scary. Like even just talking about this on the podcast, I'm going to listen back to this later and be like, do I even want to say that on the show? Should I cut this right. out? Is that something that's going to hit the chopping block? Because, right. you know, because it's a fear of mine now mm-hmm. because of the political climate that we're in. Do you ever get any like scary kind of feedback? From, Not from podcasting, from but I definitely get it from game streaming yeah. for sure like yeah and i won't go into specifics because mm-hmm. i because they are trolls you know internet trolls go to Still game streams do. and look to upset people right and uh there are things that are effective and mm-hmm. things that have happened to me that scared me um but but uh i don't know so like it really made me this is another thing i was thinking about when i was away from the show is like man this show's real personal you know mm-hmm. if like you go back to the beginning yeah um it was when i wasn't worried about so many things that I worry about now that I know can be dangerous for me mm-hmm. in one way or another yeah. that I try not to speak about on the show. I mean, even talking about like where we live, like I thought earlier, I like, should we be mentioning neighborhoods? Oh, that's I mean, so I real. know that's that Dave personal. Matthews lives in Wallingford, so yeah. <laughs> I can cut it out though, if you're uncomfortable. Really? Yeah. Mm. Well, like not actual Wallingford, but something right next to it or something. I don't know. Nearby. I'm just, I'm just, you know. I'm waiting till I run into Dave Matthews. Is oh, basically well, now I'm going to be now. on the lookout when I'm walking yeah. around looking for spells yeah. later. I'm going to. If you see him, can you do I me a favor? Crash into just Dave Matthews across the street. Just go like a little baby. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, I'll I'll totally do that. It will make me and Sarah very happy. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah, but I feel like maybe what I can do in making a stand is like not cut this out this thing of me talking about mm-hmm. my fear it, yeah. because this is this is my personal story of like what living under trump is doing to me personally is right. it's making me afraid to be who i am because there is violence directed against people like me for being who i am right you know and it's it's not always necessarily the the big monumental steps that you can take to fight this sort of environment it's the little stands that you take every day you know like not not filtering, not censoring your voice, you know, just, just being able to say what needs to be said is a small battle of its own. Right. And like, while we have free speech, let's use it. Yeah. Because like losing free speech is, uh, I mean, that's something that I grew up particularly afraid of because Mm -hmm. of Star Trek. Like Star Trek shows you 
societies that do not have free speech, you know, mm-hmm. and like what it's like to live in those societies. And it also shows you the benefit of free speech. Right. Um, so that's something I grew up valuing particularly, you know, I was like in the constitution club in school and um, <laughs> yeah. free speech was something that I'm like really got behind. I'm like, yeah, yeah that's really powerful. Um, but now we live in this day where like free speech is causing so much trouble. It's like free speech is just like people using the internet to lie and, mm-hmm. and, you know, convince people of things that aren't true to get power and money. Like, that is what free speech is bringing us right now. Yeah. It's terrifying. It's all very 1984. Yeah. Kind of like rewriting history to make the people believe whatever the government wants the people to believe. You totally. Know? Like, yeah. And like the ministry lying. of information. Is... I mean, the, the idea of free speech is that if people are lying, you have the right to point it out. Yeah. But we're beyond that. We're in the point where people won't believe it because, you know, people just won't believe news reporting unless it's from the reporters that they trust Mm -hmm. and i'm guilty of this also like i don't i don't trust a word out of breitbart you know i i don't (laughs) trust a single word out of breitbart news yeah um and i've like i've looked at articles from breitbart before and i'm like this is just like written in a way that is manipulative so i don't trust it you know and like what they're saying is lies and like (laughs) but i'm sure that people who love breitbart feel that way about msnbc exactly like it's it's all based on what fuck you you, lawrence o'donnell (laughs) (laughs) not lawrence o'donnell i know i like lawrence o'donnell Uh, that make me old call back to west wing he was a a consultant for was he for that show yeah you'll see his name in the credits a lot we need oh, to rewatch it that's so good yeah he was actually uh he played uh bartlett's dad in a flashback no yeah yeah he did oh. well maybe jane when we're done with firefly we start uh, our west wing podcast yeah okay <laughs> seven seasons yeah can i do can i cover west wing on a sci-fi podcast that's the question to you Ooh. listener I've already like stretched credulity for this being a sci-fi podcast. No, I mean it's I I would say it's more fantasy, if anything. <laughs> it is clearly fantasy. That's actually a really good line. Yeah. That's really funny. <laughs> wow, Jane, I am so glad that we're doing this again. Yeah. I really miss this, and I like not doing the show. I remember you and I were hanging out, and I'm like, Jane, I might not do the podcast anymore. And I felt like that was personally hard to guilty. Hear. Yeah. I felt personally guilty for you personally and Me? no one else no 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 one else gave a shit like <laughs> that's so weird I, I like finished babylon 5 with uh, doug i'd finished next yeah. generation with jeff firefly was left in the lurch yeah firefly was like an active thing that i was covering <laughs> mm-hmm. on this show and it affected you personally because like oh. i consider this to be our firefly podcast right. even though it's on like my podcast feed mm-hmm. and you're not here sometimes like when you're here it is our show yeah. and i i knew it's that baby i knew that it was gonna like you know, not be cool for you. And I was really, I'm like, I have to hurt my friend Jane because I need to walk away from this for a while. Well, thanks for lifting the torch again. I'm so happy. I feel like so glad to be back. And I actually, for the first time... the Firefly Saddle. I have like extra episodes now because I've been so excited to record Mm -hmm. that I've just been like scheduling a bunch. And I now have... Like, I'm waiting to put an episode out for the first time in like a year and a half because... I usually was like scrambling to get something done and out because mm-hmm. um, yeah. like I just didn't have enough energy. Got stuff on deck already. That's nice. I have stuff on deck. And I think yeah. that that's actually a good sign for my health also that yeah. maybe what my doctor is telling me about Creative where my health is going is true because sometimes I don't believe him. No. Um, but yeah, I mean, he's, you know, 
he's telling me that I'll be hopefully back to work within like six months. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And I want to get to the point where I can do this regularly again. And right now I will be because I have mm-hmm. enough episodes that I can put them out on Wednesdays, which That's was my great. old. I used to do like Tuesday or Wednesday. I think mm-hmm. I'm going to try to put them out on Wednesdays. By the time people hear this, there will have been two shows that came out on a Wednesday. And yeah. hopefully more will come out on a Wednesday after this at any particular time. Good we'll stuff. See. Well, we're neighbors again. So yeah. um, next time maybe we'll watch it at my place. Then we'll come back and we'll record. Yeah, we can do that. Yeah. We should. Because you keep bringing over the Blu-ray players so we can watch the, <laughs> yeah. the, the highest quality possible. We have, a, we have a projector. The problem is it's in the bedroom. Um, so I have, have to like... We have that too now. Yeah. We just got that. It's, it's the best. It's so nice. <laughs> I was going to tell you about this. But then like you feel like a vegetable. You're like, how long have I been binging this show and I haven't gotten out of bed all day? <laughs> mine, I can't watch mine during the day. It's too bright in my room. Mm. Which is perfect because yeah. like at night I'm like, I'm going to go watch Arrow on the ceiling. Yeah. <laughs> I like watched someone play Hollow Knight on the ceiling the other day on Twitch. And it was, it was so luxurious. I can't even describe to you. I watched That's Deep crazy. Space Nine on the ceiling wow. and it was huge and beautiful. Yeah. I, I was seeing like Projectors depths of detail I'd never seen. And I think you gave uh, me the idea to do this. Yeah. I'm pretty sure. Because oh. you told me you've had this for years. We, we've had it for a little while now, and it's so good. Oh, we're spoiled. I, yeah. I don't know if I can go back to having just a little TV after yeah. After living the projector life. It's You've converted it's Andy nice. and I into projector people. And yeah. we got one for like 200 bucks. Yeah, you can get really good projectors now for not that much money. Like yeah. You don't have to spend thousands and thousands like you used to have to. Yeah, yeah. Like The, nice. the user interface is garbage, mm-hmm. but it looks really good. So once you get it playing, it's like, great. Yeah. I'm watching Survivor on the scene. I've so I love Survivor. I've never rewatched an episode of Survivor until I started dating Andy. Mm-hmm. I take that back. I rewatched the first season once, but like I, I never intended to go back and rewatch Survivor. Kind of weird to rewatch like, why like, would you? reality TV. But you let me know. tell you. Let me tell you because <laughs> Andy and I have been watching it from the beginning, uh-huh. and it is so good. Mm-hmm. I just fucking love that show. It takes mm-hmm. a while to find its voice, uh-huh. but Jeff Probst is just a brilliant storyteller, and he uses Survivor to tell stories. And sometimes he hits, and sometimes he misses. And of mm-hmm. course, there's other people on that creative team, but yeah. he, like, he becomes the driving force, and the show gets so interesting. And it's just an examination of American culture oh, from all yeah. these different viewpoints. It's like its own little sci-fi. Exactly. I yeah. like it because of like yeah. why it reminds me of science fiction is why I like Survivor. Yeah. And it's like watching this post-apocalyptic world where people's clothes <laughs> start to fall apart and right. they, their beards grow and they get so skinny. Yeah. And it really feels like watching They're a sci-fi movie sometimes. Because that's all there's left. Yeah, totally. Yeah. yeah I mean, it, there's definitely, definitely some rough moments in Survivor history mm-hmm. that I do not agree with or condone in any way. But... I feel like overall the show has been trying to learn about humanity and to teach us about ourselves. Mm. And it's trying to be non-partial, I think. Uh, It fails at that quite often, but I think it's trying to just like show you what people are like and just kind of make them extreme versions of themselves through the edit to kind of give you a look of like, this is what this person is like, you know? I have not seen any Survivor. That's okay. (laughs) I will recommend to you. Season 33, Millennials versus Gen X. Season what now? 33. Uh, How season many seasons? 39 <laughs> is about to start. Oh. And Andy and I, I've seen them all before. That's why I'm like, yeah. why would I rewatch Survivor? But, but watching it again with Andy and reliving the adventures is mm. like so great. I can't even tell you how much I love it. It's so great. Wow. Um, yeah. What was? Oh, yeah. So season 33 or season 37 mm-hmm. are both seasons that have all new players mm-hmm. so you can just jump right into it 
where the social dynamics that happen are really do, interesting. Do some of the seasons have the same character or the yes. same people? Yeah. What? It's also like, it's like the Avengers of Survivor. Is it like an all-star yes. kind of situation? Season eight was Survivor All-Stars. Okay. And it brought back like all the biggest characters from the first seven seasons. Yeah. And it's like watching the Avengers, only mm. better. I think it's better than Avengers Endgame. It's so good. What? Uh, and they, they do that and throughout their history. Words. Like heroes versus villains or fans versus favorites. They bring mm. people back every few years. Okay. Um, and those seasons are epic. Mm-hmm. And I really love them sometimes. And so, I mean, sometimes they're not as good, but sometimes they're really, really great. Mm. But those two seasons, 33 and 37, I think are really great examples of really strong gameplay because yeah. it's such a social game. And it's basically a game of like, you just make alliances with people and have to judge whether or not they're lying to you. So it's like, right. how do you read people and who do you feel a, a connection with and who do you, who are you just unable to work with yeah. on this like basic level of can we agree on who we're going to vote out that isn't each other, you know? Yeah. It's such a basic concept and the way people approach it is so varied and you see all these things happen that really surprise you and then you see people who are just master manipulators and like they win and they're horrible people and you're like, I can't believe they gave <laughs> the person a million dollars. It feels bad. Why I can't watch reality shows. Right. Like it's always the most cutthroat person that wins. Right. It's like how many of their friends did they backstab? They... They played the game the whole time, and they were right. just the best con men. It, that almost never happens on Survivor. It, mm. it has happened a few times, mm. but the more common thing, the much more common thing, is that a very mediocre person wins. Yeah. There's someone that didn't offend that didn't offend the most people yeah. wins because at the end you have to like the people you voted out choose a winner. So it's like whoever um, whoever you offended the least. Yeah. Even if they played the best game, they're not going to win. Yeah. You have to play the best game like, see, and offend the fewest amount of people to win. And that, that is the interesting Survivor. thing. I didn't even know that that's how that worked at the end. Yeah, it's really fascinating. Huh. And in the later seasons, they started bringing in nerds mm-hmm. and like fans of Survivor. Yeah. People who like Survivor for the reasons that I like Survivor mm-hmm. and who have been thinking about strategy for decades. Right. How would they do it? Now they're yeah. given the chance. Yeah. And they come in with like these crazy game plans mm-hmm. and some of them work. And it's really exciting. Mm-hmm. And like... Two, I mentioned this last episode, but two people that have been on Survivor are now going to be writers on the CBS All Access Star Trek animated adult series Lower oh, Decks. Wow. Which is so cool for me personally. Yeah. And like not very many other people. I am the exact nerd where that's like the most exciting news ever. <laughs> like John Cochran and David Wright are going to be writing wow. on the show. And like, you're like, who? But yeah, I'm like, I, those people are to me, very famous to me. Wow. <laughs> well, that's exciting. Yeah. Anyway, we should wrap up because now I'm just talking about Survivor. Oh, yeah. We been got a off track time. a little bit. Yeah. But uh, Firefly. We always do. Yeah. Yeah. What's next? Oh, wait. We can't wrap up without a Vera's. We have no, to do the Vera's. We got to rate. We got to yeah. rate this episode yeah. of Firefly. Oh, that's going to be tough for me because I... There's so much that I love about this episode. Well, and yet it yeah, is one of my Hit me with the hard favorite. number. And I'll bring us back up to a, a, to a positive <gasps> note at the end. <laughs> mm. Oh, man. Oh. <sighs> I rate my episodes on a Vera scale on a curve. Yes. Um, I love that. Tell, what is the curve? Man. Well, I mean, like, if we're doing like one to 10, right? Like, yes. Like, 10 is my favorite episode, and I can't, like, I have to rate them relative to each other. Right. Um, so you have to be really harsh. I got to be kind of harsh because, again, safe is not, it's one of those episodes that I skip over. Yeah. the most if if any skipping is happening or if i'm rewatching certain episodes more than other episodes this one is always going to fall behind uh i'm gonna have to say like a i have to say like a four maybe wow yeah a four i just because it's it's 
relative and I like so many other episodes so much better than this one. Yeah. I got to put it on the lower end of the scale. I can't even like, I can't even give it the midway mark. I got to, I got to be harsh. Yeah. I hear you. This episode doesn't do it for me in enough ways. Right. It's. And the ways that you love, the the things that it does that you love do not outweigh enough of the things that you don't like. Right. It doesn't make it so that I, I go to this one first. Like yeah. this will never be my first choice if I'm going to pick an episode at random. Is there anything else about it besides the the Burn the Witch stuff that we've talked about that feels really bad to you? Not that it feels bad. It's just, um, I don't know. Uh, ca- Character-wise, Simon and River are not the most interesting characters to me. And this is so mm. heavy on their story. Um I don't know. It, just not my first pick. I hear you. Again, I love it more than a lot more of the other TV that's out there. And obviously, Firefly is always going to be near and dear to my heart, no matter what the episode is. But uh, grading on a curve, this one just feel it falls a little flat for me. Gotcha. Yeah, mine's tough because like I, like I said earlier, th- this episode has never stuck out to me as being like really excellent mm-hmm. until today. And I think it's a lot of things came together today to make this a really great experience watching the show for me. One, I hadn't yeah. seen the show in 15 months and I was missing it. Mm-hmm. And like, I wasn't sure if you and I were ever going to continue this journey and we're doing it. And that's really exciting. Yeah. And on top of that, um, I got a lot of energy today, which has been really unusual for me yeah. recently. And I'm just like, I'm using my energy to watch Firefly and talk about <laughs> it. And this is the best. So yeah. I'm really going to pay attention. Yeah. And Every detail just like satisfied me, you mm-hmm. know, I, and it made me care more about Simon and River than I ever really have. I think that in general, I agree with you that Simon and River are not my favorite characters. Mm-hmm. But this time w- watching this, I'm like really invested in that best friendship that they have that I've never really thought about before. Yeah. And like seeing Simon as this person who's got a long way to go. He's a little annoying at this point. He's mm-hmm. a little petulant, but he's willing to take a stand when it really matters. Mm-hmm. And he loves this person like with his whole heart. And... um. And there's something really great about that. And yeah. it's wholesome. It's it's good. Um the the characters in this episode are all so on point. Everyone is like yeah. the most them yes. in and this that's episode. What I love. And it was really great and the the writing was all very cohesive for, for like from scene to scene and each person's d- dialogue was great. Um I, I don't know. I I'm really looking forward to exploring some of the things that they touched on in this episode later, not just in the show, but also in like the written medium, we could talk about the comics or the novels where they really explore some right. of the things that they talk about, like books oh, past. We need to do um, that at some point. Yeah. I want to re. I was actually thinking about that because this is the first time I've watched this since I read that book about books past. Mm-hmm. And I honestly couldn't remember what happened well enough to see yeah. if it stitched into the episode well. Uh-huh. So I need to reread it. But yeah. maybe that's a podcast in the future. Yeah, later. Yeah. Later podcast when you run out of episodes. Yeah. Well, I have to say, like, even grading on a curve for me, my curve is a little different. Like, my curve is, you know, when I analyze something, can I find holes in it? Can I mm-hmm. find things that bother me in the storytelling. And in this episode, um, like the burn the witch thing, I definitely hear your point about it. But like when I watched it, Mm -hmm. that didn't, it didn't, I trigger me in any way besides being like, yeah, I I guess that's okay. We can go Mm -hmm. with that. You know, it it wasn't my, wasn't my choice, but it didn't 
bother me, I guess. So like I couldn't like punch a hole in it when I was watching it. And I I feel like it's hard for me. I feel like if you tell the story now and use that, then it it would bother me more than telling the story in the early 2000s and mm-hmm. using that. And you know, I don't know if that's right or wrong. That's just how I feel. <laughs> yeah. No, and that's and that's totally fine. And I don't know. It's it's difficult to rate this one. Yeah. Um, because it's not like watching the episode is upsetting. Yeah. I still enjoyed that. I was still entertained. Yeah. I still feel the warm, happy fuzzies of watching Firefly. Um, so it's not it's not something negative. Mm-hmm. Um, it's like, it's it, just one of the least satisfying ones. Sure. And I feel so, that. Yeah. And I actually, something about that that I even like, mm-hmm. because some of my favorite episodes of Star Trek The Next Generation are the ones where not much happens, but you mm-hmm. just get to hang out with the characters a little bit. Yeah. Like, why are Data and Picard spending 10 minutes on the holodeck reading Shakespeare? You right. know, Because we're learning about the characters. Yeah, it's or telling like, you something about who they are and yeah. what they choose to do with their time. There's literally like a 15-minute long scene where... Um, well, maybe not 15 minutes, but there's a very long scene in an episode of Next Generation where two characters are acting as Holmes and Watson for a while. Like, (laughs) just in character, Mm -hmm. like, it's Data and Geordi. I think it might be, like, 10 or 15 minutes where they're almost entirely just in Sherlock Holmes' world. Yeah. um, But they're just playing a game together, Mm -hmm. you know? And they're, like, talking to each other as if they're they're characters. Like, Mm -hmm. Data, why are we doing this? But they're just, like, playing that game. And it's not very compelling TV, but it's just fun because, like, you're hanging out with these people that you wish you knew in real life. Yeah. And you get to, like, see them as people and doing people things. And I think that Safe, out of all the episodes of Firefly so far, Safe has the most of that, of any of the episodes. Yeah. Uh, the and characters are the, all very true to the themselves the detriment of the plot, where it's yeah. more of that than there is plot. Maybe that's what, I don't know. I, I really love all the character-driven stuff, but maybe that's why I feel like this episode itself falls a little flat because mm-hmm. it's focusing more on who the people are than what is going on. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, and I can see how that would be weird. But for me and my weird tastes, I love that. Yeah. I like that to me is what I want more of from shows. Yeah, and and normally that's that's what I crave in a show. It's like if it's got a character that I can't get behind at all, whether it's to hate them or to love them or to care about what's going on with them, then the show means nothing to me. Yeah. Um but that's why Firefly is so near and dear. Yeah, know? totally. Yeah, and because and because like, well, I feel like this the whole plot was built off of character moments that they wanted to build to. Mm-hmm. So it's like, how can we reverse engineer a plot to tell a character story? And for me, it all tracks really well. Mm-hmm. And I I think there's like a little bit of like happenstance in the plot yeah. that I think is actually really well used. Mm-hmm. Like they just happen to be on this planet where there's these snatchers and they get into yeah. this bad thing and they get split up and you know mm-hmm. it's it's all it all just kind of accidentally happens there's not like a plot there's no like action yeah it's reaction it is all very reactionary yeah and i i like it seems unusual to me in a sci-fi show to have like reactionary characters who are just like oh shit you know this thing went wrong let's do this and it's paced very strangely and all of it just to me just is such a complete experience Mm -hmm. where you learn so much about the characters so i'm like it's hard for me to to, like rate this down Mm -hmm. um for me, because I can't talk myself out of, like, a really high score. The only thing that I can say is that I know that there are better episodes. Like, significantly better episodes. Yeah. Which and is so exciting, because this is so good. Right. That's how I'm trying to to go with my yeah. beer is, because... And that's how I'm saving my tens for that. Yeah, I'm saving my tens for the best, so that the tens don't feel like 
oh, well, you gave everything a 9.5. What's a 10, you know? Yeah. Uh, I want it to stand out more. I yeah. Guess, and, and feel more relevant. Yeah. And for me, I think I just want to feel... Like, how do I feel at the end of the episode? Am Mm -hmm. I just, like, exuberant to be watching Firefly? If yes, then it's probably either a 9 or a 10. So if it's not not my favorite, then it's got to be a 9. I got to give this a 9. I really love this. Yeah. I'm like really into it. Yeah. Well, we should uh, we should definitely do it uh, more often. We've got yes. one of the, my favorites coming up next. Yeah. Is, is it the one with, uh, what's her name? Yeah. yeah Justina I, Hendricks. Oh, it's so good. Our I Mrs. can't Reynolds. wait. Our Mrs. Reynolds. Yes. So, um, yeah, it's it's one of my all-time faves. Uh, Me too. And a lot of the, the fans uh, in particular. This is one of the few, well... I shouldn't say one of the few several guest actors in this show come back uh-huh. to replay a character um, that you've seen at an earlier episode. And uh, this is the introduction of one of those. And uh, it's yes. very exciting. Played by uh, what's her Christina name? Christina Hendricks. Christina Hendricks. Yeah. 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 Um, which I'd never seen in anything before. And mm-hmm. she's so good in this. I think everybody learned about her yeah. from Firefly. <laughs> yeah, you're like, who's that? Because she's yeah. just really great. She's amazing. She yeah. does such a good job. Um, she grew up in Idaho, just like me. Oh, wow. Oh, cool. Yeah. yeah. Nice. It's very you're Very similar. <laughs> so, yeah, stay tuned for uh, the next one, guys. Our it's Mrs. Reynolds, be yeah. the best. I don't know when that's coming, but it's coming sometime. Soon. Soon, yeah. I'm coming sure there'll soon. be other sci-fi things on this channel in between now yeah. and then. Oh, yeah. We got to pace ourselves. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Oh, I didn't even ask you about Game of Thrones. Oh. Should we save that? We're like wrapping up. Should we save this next time? Or, I mean... That's like a whole episode unto itself. I know. Maybe I we think. need to do that. Maybe yeah. we should do that. We should just talk about Game of Thrones sometime. Yeah. Because I'm so curious what you thought of the finale. Maybe you'll get like a third person to come join us. Yeah. Make it a... We've, we've got two other seats in this room. I know. We I'm set up for panel. four people to record in here. So yeah. let's do it. All right. Or not. We'll see. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> we teased that earlier and it didn't happen. Well, oh. Oh, well. Yeah. Well. We'll find out. You'll find out soon. Yeah. Do you have anything you need to plug? Uh, um, I don't know. Uh, we should do some VR, and you should like on your your gaming stuff. Do Ooh. do some VR things. I was gonna bring some over today, and then decided not to carry all the equipment required. Yeah. I also. Ryan is doing a VR hackathon, so he has the Quest, which is the one that's, like, untethered. So mm. that would have been the easiest to bring over. Yeah, I wouldn't even know how to... I mean, I guess we could capture footage and, like, film us in VR. <laughs> or, like, stream something. There's um, there, there's ways to do it with, like, green screen stuff, so you can see yeah. what the person in I the headset is seeing. I have a green screen setup, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, well, you have fun. to try it first. Yeah. Unless you want to record your first experience, that's usually not. Well, you brought it over before. Fun to watch. We, oh, yeah, we've already yeah. popped that cherry. And so. actually, I played VR again recently. When I played with you, I didn't get motion sick at all. But mm-hmm. when I played again, I got so motion sick. Do you know what you played? Um, I think it was an Oculus. No, but the like the game. Oh, um, yeah, it was something. I don't know what was it called. You were like a green barbarian. I think, or like, we were like a barbarian dude mm-hmm. fighting other barbarians and everything was really rubbery mm. and like fighting monsters in a pit. Yeah. It's not ringing a bell offhand. I don't offhand. what it's called. I'm not the best with all the titles that are yeah. out there now. What was the headset that you brought over? Uh, I think the I brought over The one we played the... Beat Saber on, not the one with the... I th- yeah, I think I played thing. the uh, Odyssey that night. Uh, the Samsung Odyssey, which okay. is... Um, one of my favorites because it's really easy to set up and you don't need like 
peripheral cameras. It's uh, inside-out tracking where it's actually just using the lights on the controllers and the cameras and the headset to figure out where your hands are going. Yeah. Um, so it's really easy to transport, easy to bring over to a friend's house. Um, might might bring that over again sometime. And you yeah. can do the Star Trek well, I should yeah, come bridge to you. crew. Oh, the bridge crew. I want to do that so bad. Yeah. Can, can we have a bridge crew party? That should be a web series. <laughs> uh, possibly. Uh, you Just have to people have... <laughs> playing bridge crew in uniform. Yeah. You have to have uh, four different accounts that right. has purchased the game Ugh. in order to have individual people. So maybe we can get some friends. Viewers, if maybe, you... Maybe that's a... St- okay, that's a Patreon stretch goal. Patreon stretch goal. Or like, send Jesse comments. If you want to be part of the bridge crew experience, let him know. It would be, what I would want to do is have like people in a room together mm-hmm. playing bridge crew in front of a green screen and also have like what they're doing behind them. It would be so cool. Yeah. I would love that. Yeah. And everyone's wearing Starfleet uniforms, obviously. N- naturally. Yeah, yeah, of course. <laughs> Man, okay, we should stop talking. Okay, it's hard well, to stop. This is so much fun. This um, has been fun. This has been great. Jane, thank you so much. Of course, thanks for having me. I always appreciate it. Until next time, stay nerdy out there. Uh, stay nerdy, my friends. Sci-Fi with Jesse Mercury is listener-funded through Patreon. To support the show and gain access to bonus content, sign up at patreon.com slash Sci-Fi. If you love this podcast, help me spread the word by sharing it on your favorite social media platform, leaving us a positive rating and review on the podcast platform of your choice, or by contacting me directly via email at sci-fi at jessemercury.com. For more cosmic content, including my sci-fi synth-pop album, music videos, podcasts, and live streams, visit my website at jessemercury.com.